And now, introducing a man who, much like Jackie Robinson, will have his own day to be remembered by in Baltimore. November 17th shall henceforth be known as Glenn Clark Day as he broke the internet barrier on November 17th, 2014, becoming the first internet sports talk radio show host in Baltimore history. Congratulations on the mediocrity. He is Glenn Clark. Sure, should compare us to Jackie Robinson. I was thinking about it. I, I was appreciate like, the thought process. People will know this is tongue-in-cheek. John, uh, Jackie Robinson is far more uh, important yeah. than we'll ever be. Well, I mean, let's not, let's not say far. <laughs> uh, no, I, all right, good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He is Paul. Papa Cass. Lil Jordan are here. Uh, get hail hail the gangs all here on a Friday edition of the program. Everybody got in nice and early this morning. <laughs> the entire cast wandered in at about nine fifty-five. <laughs> I looked like that Will Smith meme for a while here. I'm just like looking around, like what? what? Is everybody? I finished Bel Air, by the way. Finished the entire season of Bel Air. Here's my problem, right? It's a drama, and yet nothing that happened is nearly as dramatic or powerful as the moment that everybody remembers from the original show, which was a comedy. That's really the issue that you have here. Everybody knows the iconic, the single most iconic moment from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is Will Smith crying and hugging Uncle Phil and saying, how come he don't want me, man? How come he don't want me, man? There's nothing that happens. It's, the most, it's one of the top ten most in- captivating moments in television history. Ain't an entire show that's a dramatized version of that, and you couldn't come up with anything that touches that as far as being captivating. It's fine. I'm not opposed to it. I, in fact, if they do another season, I'll probably watch it. They certainly left it on a nice little cliffhanger, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's just fine. It's nothing more than that. You're telling me Better Call Saul's back on Monday? Is that what you're telling me? It should be back on Monday. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If it's not Monday, it's Sunday, but it's either, it's one of those two days. Uh, I mean, you did Tubular. Is it on Sunday? Uh, no, it's Monday. Okay, there we go. That's the answer to that question. Um, and then uh, the following Monday is when We Own This City begins on HBO. I am... Like literally within three chapters of finishing the book, and then I'll start um, taking a look at the uh, the screener that HBO sent me for that, so we can do uh, we can, we're gonna have some folks on. We'll be talking about we own the city a good bit in the coming weeks because I am extraordinarily excited about it. The book is just like I knew it would be good because everybody told me it would be good, and Justin Fenton obviously is one of the best journalists that the city has seen in some time. But Jesus Christ, the amount of detail. I mean, it's terrifying, right? Like, it's terrifying thinking about what it is that he's writing about, but Jesus, the amount of detail is just insane. The layers in which he is, the reporting that went into writing a book like this is just bat-ass nuts. Different than The Wire, of course, in that The Wire was fictionalized, is a fictionalized version of David Simon's accounts. This ain't, this ain't fictionalized. There's nothing fictionalized about We Own This City. This is... This is all real. This is... It's all based around, like, literally you remember, like, you, you start reading, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Now, you didn't know a lot of the... I mean, it's, it's, it's about... Um, Does it start with Freddie Gray? No, it doesn't start with Freddie Gray in any way. It, it it certainly covers Freddie Gray. There's no question that it gets there, but it starts well before Freddie Gray. And the detail of these stories, it's just unreal. It's, un, it's unreal. Again, I want to make it very clear. I do not believe that even 
even a, a small percentage of, of Baltimore police are crooked. I don't believe that for even a second. But my God, the stories that Justin Fenton writes about. Like, my God, the depravity of the ones that are featured in this book is just mind-numbing. I mean, it's, it sickens you as you read it. That's the, it's, I say it's not a pleasant read. It's terrifying, the depravity of the people that were serving as Baltimore police. I mean, just terrifying. So, um, But I look forward to the show. I look forward to talking more about it in the coming weeks. Today, I look forward to meeting a couple more potential Ravens NFL draft targets. Cole Strange, the center from Chattanooga. I remember last year we all got worked up about Quinn Miners. We all fell in love with him because he was a small school guy and he was likable. And you were like, hey, no, I think he could do this. I'm starting to think that Cole Strange is the guy that people have fallen in love with. Said, "Hey, don't don't use your first round pick on Tyler Linderbaum. Draft Cole Strange a little bit later on." Now I don't know. The Ravens are maintaining that internally that they think that they've got center covered, and whether that's Patrick McCarry or Tristan Colon, that they're good. Of course, that's what they have to say too. Like they have to say that about everything. They're not going to come out and say, "You know what? We definitely don't have is anyone who can play center." Because they might need one of these guys to play center. So they would never say that. They would never come out and publicly say, we don't think the guys we have are capable of doing it. I am not panicked about it. Patrick McCarry's got to play somewhere. You paid him money. You're not going to do the bit you did with James Hurst once upon a time where you paid a guy money and then you were like, well, he could be our sixth offensive lineman. You paid the guy real money. He's going to have to play. So at this point, it's down to he's either going to be the center or he's going to be the left guard. A lot of people said, well, then what's Ben Cleveland going to do? I thought Ben Cleveland had his moments a year ago, but I'm not – I don't need Ben Cleveland to be a starter. So if you draft someone that you think can be your day one center, I'm fine with Patrick McCarry playing left guard. I have no issue with that. I don't have to have a spot for Ben Cleveland. Now, I like what I saw from Ben Cleveland. He's certainly a very large man. There is no question about that. He big. So I'm good with the idea that there's a spot for him, but it doesn't have to be the case for me. I, this is not – Obviously, there needs to be a role for Kevin Zeitler. There needs to be a role. And then, of course, Ronnie Stanley's the wild card in all of this because if Ronnie Stanley's not ready, you're probably going to have Morgan Moses playing left tackle. And if that's the case, then Patrick McCary would likely play right tackle in that scenario. Well, Ronnie Stanley can walk two miles backwards on a beach. Wonderful. I am very happy to see that. I want, uh, I, again, I don't know if it's going to help. I don't know if that means he can play uh, NFL uh, offensive line, but it's. It's a it's a good sign. He's also holding coffee, so oh boy, you know. well then then I that that solves it. He's the guy. <laughs> He's got to solves everything. He's the guy. Um, we'll talk to Cole Strange. Also coming up a little bit later on, we will chat with Josh Ross, Michigan linebacker. He knows a thing or two about the Ravens' defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. So we will chat with him about that relationship and the possibility of joining the legacy of the Baltimore Ravens defense. So a couple new, uh, a couple more NFL draft prospects that uh, could very well end up being Baltimore Ravens that we will chat with today. Um, today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I will be there Thursday, April 28th, alongside my uh, new radio co-host, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. We will be hanging out with you for the first round of the draft. Aaron Oster, who joins us every Tuesday on uh, Simply the Bets, pointed out to me that his love bet this week was he loved uh, over five and a half wide receivers in the first round. And remember yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah was on with us, and he was like, dude, the story of the first round is going to be the wide receivers. The wide receivers are, are going to be dominating 
the first round, which is funny because as of like a month ago, I think we were all talking about how the wide receivers really weren't the story in this draft. Well, Daniel Jeremiah is convinced they are the story of the first round of the draft, and so much so that within the three days now that it's been since we chatted with Aaron Oster, the odds went from like minus 150 for over five and a half receivers all the way down to nearly minus 300 for over five and a half wide receivers. So I hope you jumped on it when Aaron told you to jump on it because it appears as though there is supreme confidence that a lot of wide receivers are going off the board. A lot of people reacting to what Daniel Jeremiah said about the possibility of the Ravens taking a receiver. I don't think he was in any way suggesting they would as much as he was saying, hey, look, if for whatever reason Garrett Wilson or Drake London are sitting there, they're going to have to think about it because of the quality of the prospect. The prospect, his point about Garrett Wilson is, I think Garrett Wilson's a number walk-in tomorrow number one wide receiver. And I also think that part of the way the wide receivers are changing, it's almost sort of like the quarterback thing. Most of most analysts don't feel as though these quarterbacks are really top number or first round pick caliber talents. But the need for a quarterback is overwhelming. And watching where the wide receiver market is going, the amount of money you've got to pay now to keep your wide receivers around the value of a drafted wide receiver is going up because of it. So a player like a DK Metcalf or an A.J. Brown that perhaps you would have in the past taken in the second round of the draft, you now say to yourself, we better get this guy early because getting wide receivers is far more difficult than it used to be. It's going to cost you $20 million a year to have a quality wide receiver on your roster. So I think the landscape of the NFL has changed. And I think that's driven up the value of the wide receivers in this draft as well. I bring it all up because that's the type of thing you're going to be able to bet on when we're in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for the NFL Draft. There are going to be props all night. You can literally bet on every pick. As the picks are being made, you can go up and bet on the next one. And there's 61 self-service kiosks. Plus, we're going to have great giveaways. If you want to guarantee your spot for the draft, email events at sportssocialmd.com. I need to offer an apology. I need to uh, reference something that we discussed on yesterday's show. We also discussed it on uh, One More Thing, Stan and I, on Wednesday. And, and I say that I need to offer an apology, not because it was my original thought, but because I, like everyone else in media, should have vetted it further. And it's not good when we pass something along thinking it's fact and it isn't fact. In discussing what happened in the Giants-Padres game the other night, a report came out from CBSSports.com that said, well, what nobody's talking about is the insanity of this is that run differential is going to be a tiebreaker this season. Major League Baseball, and I don't know why it took so long, they literally let this linger for 24 hours before Major League Baseball made a statement yesterday and said, uh, no, not actually. Now, this goes back to the confusion about how quickly they force things through in the CBA and there being some vague language and people not understanding exactly what actually got into the CBA and what didn't. It was why literally there are still people that are confused as to whether or not I, I am to understand that at least as of the last time I asked, the Orioles didn't know if the draft lottery, if their ability to participate in the draft lottery would be impacted by the fact that they have the number one pick in this year's draft. Like there's still so much that needs to be cleaned up and nail down about the CBA. 
in negotiations for the CBA, it was discussed that run differential would be a tiebreaker. They ultimately went a different way. Major League Baseball put out the list of the various tiebreaker scenarios. The point is there will still be no game 163. That will not exist. There will not be a game 163 in baseball. Instead, they have gone with another set of tie-breaking scenarios. And I pull them up right now just to give you the list of what it is. The tie-breaking scenarios will be... (sighs) Sorry, I moved it. All right. Um, Head-to-head record, interdivision record, interdivision record, intradivision record, then interdivision record... Last half of intra-league games, and then last half of intra-league games plus one until... I don't even... What the F does that even mean? And, and last half of intra-league games plus one? Maybe it's saying you're going back more than one game beyond the halfway point. That's probably what that means. So you would go back to like the 80th game. And I, boy, that is way over... The, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. The point is it ain't run differential. They ultimately decided not to use run differentials. Because that would have been too simple. Right. Instead, we're doing half plus one. What the, I mean, honest to God, what in the F is that? Also, it requires me to remember which one is interleague and which one is interleague. I, it's, I know that inter is within and intra is with, like, on the outside, but it takes me a second to remind myself of that as I read it. The point of all of this being, no, run differential does not matter. Now, what that doesn't mean is that it was wrong for Mauricio Dubon to bunt the other night. It doesn't mean that Gabe Kapler doesn't have a point about trying to see more pitchers, which is one of the more thoughtful things I've heard a manager say in talking about a situation like this for some time. Us dumb guys have said, that, hey, well, if you, don't, you, know, if you guys want to stop trying, then we'll stop trying. Gabe Kapler gave it a real thought, a real, hey, look, we're not just thinking about tonight. We're thinking about tomorrow. By the way, I think the Giants beat the Padres again the next day, too. Yeah, the, the Giants won yesterday? No, the Padres won. Padres won? It was a low-scoring game, right? Mm, I don't believe I so. I think it was. I, think it was I like know a, Manny Machado won five for six. Oh, oh. I mean, maybe I, no, it was the next, because we're two days later. Yeah. So that the next day after this happened, the Giants beat the Padres again in a low-scoring game. Then yesterday, the Padres... I don't even think they were playing the Giants yesterday, were they? No, I, I think I they were think playing they somebody were else. But yes, Manny Machado went five for five, including a home run that, on a ball that was literally in the dirt. Moral of the story, Gabe Kapler's thoughts that you're trying to see more pitchers and make life more difficult on that team for the next game is incredibly thoughtful. It's one of the most impressive... Whatever your opinion is of Gabe Kapler, and I think he's been kind of 50-50 as a manager. I think sometimes he has relied too much on the analytical concepts. But I thought that was incredibly thoughtful, incredibly well stated. No, we don't want to make it easy. We don't want to just go up there and try to put out three outs and and move on with the game because we want them to have to use 100 pitchers tonight so that tomorrow we got a better shot of beating them. Our strategy ain't just about tonight's game. Our strategy is about the rest of the week. Very thoughtful. Wonderful explanation. Try to poke a hole in that. You can't. It's exactly what a baseball team should be doing. 
There's 162 games. This is a team we might end up competing against in our division. Winning not just this game, but tomorrow's game could prove to be very beneficial for the tiebreakers that do exist. Plus one. Apparently you get to bring a plus one to the MLB playoffs, which is nice. Sorry, Paul, I'm choosing Jordan. Damn it's just the way it goes. Cast, you know, it's it's awkward. I just couldn't. I mean, it'd be awkward With the whole the thing. With the knee now, right? yeah. You know. um, this continues to be silly, despite the fact that we were wrong about the tiebreaker thing. It's still something that in no ways will you get me to be okay with the response that came from Eric Hosmer and the Padres players. Not all right. You go try to win. Of course, a lot of people also pointed out the Padres are the team um, where What's-His-Face swung 3-0. And Tatis. Who was it? It was Tatis. Yeah, yeah right? Like, and they were up big when he did it. It's a joke. I mean, like, again, it's a joke. We, you're pissed off because you're getting your ass kicked. And because you're getting your ass kicked, everything makes you angry. It sucks to get your ass kicked. Everybody knows that. It's not fun. And you still got to be out there for another what, it was a sixth inning. You got to be out there for another four innings while you're getting your ass kicked. You just want it to be over. I get that. But you're not going to stop trying when you go to the plate. And you wouldn't stop trying if you were on the other side of the scenario. Bless Gabe Kapler for saying, we're not going to get mad if another team does it to us. They want to do it to us, fine. We're not going to get mad about it. Because we're just going to play baseball. Just play baseball. It ain't hard. That all being said, I, like so many others, should have done a better job of vetting this information. And I apologize for that. We need to hold ourselves accountable. I should have done a better job and not just accepted because a respected baseball writer put it out there as fact. I should have gone back and made sure. And a lot of us had egg on our face because of it. A lot of us discussed this topic and ended up being embarrassed because we were reporting something or passing along something as if it was factual, and it sure as F was not factual. Run differential ain't got nothing to do with the tiebreaker scenarios in baseball this year. And so take back everything I said about we got to score as many runs as possible. I still have no problem with that being your strategy. Again, going back to what Gabe Kapler said, that's a good way to get more pitchers into the game. You score more runs, they're probably going to put somebody else in there. It might perhaps change your strategy when somebody puts in a non pitcher position player to pitch in a game when they say look we're just going to throw this guy out there maybe at that point you're not bunting i'm still not saying stop trying because again i don't know that that other team is going to stop trying when they go to the plate and we've seen really crooked numbers be put up in singular innings the dodgers it felt like they scored 100 in the eighth inning last night thank god because uh <clears throat> i bet them when they were up three nothing and when they uh, reds tied it up three three i was uh, it was a little shaky the things were not it was not a good look in the, the old glenn clark household at that moment <laughs> it was uh, there were nervy moments i'm pretty sure i have no fingernails at this point N- not that i have a problem i want to make that abundantly clear just that uh, you know it wouldn't have been pretty if that had continued to go the other way so thank you to the uh, doyers thank you for getting the job done also big thank you to the cubs that was a big win for me last night for some reason despite the fact that they were also up three nothing their odds were damn near even money i was like this is weird and they're playing the rockies who stink i was like what 
I think there was a mistake there. So I threw a bunch of money at the Cubs. The Rockies promptly scored two runs, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. But then the Cubs pulled away in like the next inning, and I was like, all right, all right, everything's all right here. So then I was feeling froggy, and that's why I played the Dodgers. So I was like, you know, let's see if we can double down on that one. And that one got very nervy. That one got very nervy because I played a little too much on that one. There so. were a lot of non-save situation games yesterday. The average margin of victory was almost four and a half runs. Oh, how about that? In the games yesterday. How about that? I tell you who didn't win. I also, uh, you know, I, I confessed yesterday on the show, I'm I'm not a Blue Jays fan, but I'm, an, I'm appreciating the Blue Jays. I'm entertained by the Blue Jays. I'm kind of enjoying the Blue Jays. And so I decided, the hell with it. I'll throw a couple bucks on the Blue Jays last night. Vladimir Guerrero went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Did you catch the ninth inning? I don't even know what happened in the ninth inning. The Blue Jays loaded the base. Oh, yeah, they loaded the base with nobody out. Off of Roldis Chapman. Yeah, correct. And then they pulled a Roldis Chapman, and they they it was a strikeout and double play to end the yeah, game. Yeah, lined into a double yeah. play. I, not only did I watch the ninth inning, but I then listened to Buck Martinez as the game was going. I, I have no qualms with Buck whatsoever, but literally, as the game ended, he said... Yeah, the Blue Jays just never really had any uh, good looks with runners in scoring position tonight. I was like, dude, they just had the bases loaded with nobody out. What are you talking about? What did he have? Like, did you write that before the inning started and just realized you couldn't scratch it out and do something else? It was a really weird way to end the broadcast, and it stuck in my crawl as someone who had bet on the Blue Jays last night. But yeah, so that uh, there's my there's my thoughts. My my apologies. We should have gotten that right. Uh, a bunch of us, not just myself, but I was included in that. Uh, run differential will have nothing to do with tiebreaker scenarios. All right, let's switch gears. We're going to talk a little NFL draft this morning as we continue to meet the folks who might very well make up the next class of Baltimore Ravens. And joining us now is the center from Chattanooga, who has turned a lot of heads during the draft process. He is Cole Strange, and he's with us here on GCR. Cole, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great to chat with you, man. Cole, tell me about this whirlwind. Like, what has your life been like going back to, say, you know, January and everybody getting to know you and you get to travel all over the country. Can you put into words what this process has been like? Yeah. Um, the process has been incredible, honestly. You know, going into the whole ordeal, you know, after the season ended, um, you know, I, I got my invite to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think it was like the second to the last game of the season. And so I knew I would be doing that, but I didn't really have any – <laughs> any idea that I'd be as busy as I have been. And that's a good thing. I'm very grateful for that. It's been a, it's been a really cool experience. I got to do the senior bowl, go to the combine. Um, I've been able to travel to different teams, have, you know, zoom calls with different coaches, private workouts, the pro day. There are several coaches that came by. Um, it's been, it's been really cool. Did, did you know Cole, like going, let's go back to last season. Did you know, yeah. Did you had you already heard from folks like, hey, dude, you're going to be one of the the top thought of interior linemen in this draft, or you know, playing at a place like Chattanooga? Did you not even know? Like, did you say, hey, I know I'm going to have a chance, but you know, I don't really know. People are talking about you as a, a, a day two, day one pick. Like, did you know that was something that was going to happen last fall? <laughs> not at all. Um, no. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, to start of the season. I, you know, I've always believed in myself. I always believed that I would be able to make it on a team, but 
honestly, I was just like, I was just hoping, you know, hell, whatever I can get, whether it's a rookie mini camp invite or yeah. an undrafted free agent contract, like I was praying to get drafted at all. I thought anything would have been incredible. That's, not, that's so. Was there a moment for you where you realized, like, oh, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm, can, I'm gonna do this? Like, was there a moment where it clicked for you, like, I'm not gonna have to fight people in order to make a roster? Teams want me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, it was I think after the third or fourth game of the season. Okay. Um, we we had just played Kentucky, and that was that was our you know our our FBS game of the year, and uh, I got a call from a fella and he was telling me something about a blesto report i'm not sure if you're too familiar with I, that. I don't i've I, never I, heard of that okay so I, I didn't know a thing about it either but apparently there's two scouting tools that nfl uses one is uh national and one is blesto and in this blesto report he basically told me that at the beginning of the season my grade or my draft grade was considered you know a late late seventh round pick Okay. Most likely an undrafted free agent. And he said that I had jumped up into like the fourth, fifth round range. <laughs> You're like, okay. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, it's exactly, on now. Exactly. I, exactly. I was on my way into a class one morning and uh, he called me and told me that. And I was like, all right, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Life, life just yeah. changed a little bit moving forward. Like, yeah. You got a whole different outlook. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Cole Strange is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Cole, uh, I need an update on your facial hair situation um, because I got to be honest with you. This is going to impact where I would be okay with the Ravens drafting you because I have seen like the really let it go beard look, and I need it to be that way if you're going to be a Baltimore Raven. I can't have the sort of more clean kept that 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 doesn't work for me for a tough guy offensive lineman, Cole. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm letting it grow out. There I we go. All right, first, yeah. first round. Change my mind. First round. That's where it is that you need to go. Um, Cole, Cole position-wise, obviously I know the answer is going to be, hey, we're at whatever a team asks me to do. I, I completely understand that, and that's what the answer needs to be. But give yes, me sir. your thumbnail about, like, the val- do you feel like you bring additional value as someone who could step in and start at center, say, on day one for a team that drafts you? Yes, sir, I do. I think that that's uh, that's a huge bonus because, you know, all I've played for the majority of my career, I've played a little center and tackle, but I played mostly guard. You know, so it's a positive because teams know I can play guard. But the, since there's talk of me playing center, I played center at the Senior Bowl. Um, it, it's a huge bonus. It's a it's a huge uh, benefit for me. You know, I know that it makes teams. It's one of the things that makes teams more interested is that I can play both. You know, whereas if all I'd ever played was guard. Um, I don't think that they would consider me as highly because, you know, there's a lot of good guards, right? Yeah. Just simply brings value. Yeah, yeah I, I completely understand that. Wait, are you? What, what is the difference? What's the comfort level for you at both? It, you know, it can't be as simple as just, well, hey, I block, right? Like, there's more things that are going on <laughs> there. Was it yeah. was it difficult for you after playing so much guard to try to focus in on center as you got into this process? You know. Honestly, it really wasn't. Um, I, I had I had played two games of center back in 2019. We had a situation going on, like we had everybody hurt, and I bumped over to center for the last two games of the year. Um, but that was the all the experience that I'd had playing center, you know. So going into the Senior Bowl, um, 
it, it, I guess it wasn't even really something I thought about. You know, it isn't just a simple switch. There is other things, you know, there, there are other things you have to consider. But for the most part, uh, I just played, you know. I feel like if you if you start to thinking too much about it, it's just like anything. You're going to end up, you know, messing yourself up because you're going to start overthinking. I mean, it sound, when you say that, it sounds like anything else in life where I don't want to think too much at all because as soon as I start thinking, I'm going to screw things up, right? Like, just let your yes, let your body do the work, you know, and go from there. Um, that being said, in Baltimore, there is this running offense. Greg Roman runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball some more. Knowing you're going to be excited wherever you are going to be, might it be perhaps a bit more enticing to you to be somewhere where you're going to be asked to be pushing downfield and going and kicking ass and taking names and putting guys <laughs> on their butts versus maybe an offense where you would have to be backing up more and going the opposite way in order to protect? Is that perhaps a bit more enticing to you as a possibility? Hell yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question about it. <laughs> Every there's offensive no lineman loves that, right? Like that's the rule. As I know, if you're if you do this, you've got to want to go kick somebody's ass moving forwards. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I 100% agree. You um, <laughs> you, you know, do you have a like your favorite story of someone that you put on there? You mentioned the Kentucky game. Did you go one on one against Pascal at all in that game? Um, I think I think we went against each other a couple of times. For the most part, he played like a edge type guy. Okay, there were a couple of times where he lined up inside. Um, but the one that I went against more so was the the heavy set nose McCall. I think. Okay. His name. Okay, that makes sense. Obviously, a little bit more inside that would make more sense. Is that is that yeah. the one, or is there another one that you're particularly like? You're like, hey man, you want to know about me? Go watch me level this dude. Put this guy on his butt. Is there something like that? <laughs> um. I think, I think the Kentucky game would be a good game to watch. Um, yeah, I think that would be a good game to watch. You just, you know, I, I think they're I good. Think, yes, yeah, I completely understand that. Cole Strange is with us from Chattanooga. He is going to go very early in the NFL draft, perhaps a Baltimore Raven. We are chatting with him right now here on GCR. Cole, what is it that people still don't know about you, right? Like, tell me about Cole Strange, the dude, because obviously you're coming from a smaller school. We didn't get to know you the same way. They they weren't profiling you on college game day last season. What do we need <laughs> to know about you beyond the fact that you're an ass kicker on a football field? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I guess this is a little bit something to do with it, and it's something I, I kind of say lighthearted. I think it's kind of funny. Um, I know that a bunch of the reports – on me or that I'm, you know, like, uh, too skinny or that I'm not big enough. And I, I kind of get a kick out of that. Um, are you saying that because like you haven't heard that you're too skinny most of your life? Is that what you're saying? No, I've heard exactly that Okay. Like, for, 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 yeah, I, I think since, I mean, since about my freshman year of high school, I've been trying to gain weight, you know, for football, even when I was in high school, I was trying to get bigger for football and same throughout college. And, uh, it's just kind of cracks me up because, you know, like you see the the reports and whatnot. I don't take any of them uh, too seriously. Uh, you know, the ones that are, are at least from like just you know fan accounts, and they're like, "Oh, he's too skinny. He's he's not nearly strong enough." <laughs> like, I mean, there's a ton of other guys who are like uh, less than 300 or right around my same <laughs> weight. So, um, you know, I, I I do get a kick out of that. All right, so so uh, we uh, we saw your you know we saw what you were lifting. There's no question about your strength because we got that that was on display when we watched you both at the senior bowl and at the combine. But what what are you like what do you weigh in right now and are you still like 
when you were at the Senior Bowl, did you find yourself maybe grabbing some more Reese's down there? Like, hey, man, let me see if I can weigh in at 3.06 tomorrow <laughs> instead of 3.04. <laughs> Yes, it's always it's always a battle of trying to uh, gain more weight and weigh more than uh, than what you think you do. But um, you know, I, I'm weighing in pretty good right now. The last time I weighed, I, I was 307. Okay, I think that was a, a couple of days ago. Um, and it's it, it's kind of an odd story. I do not know what happened in the universe. Maybe Mercury was in retrograde. <laughs> um, but at the combine, um, it's a you know it's a four day event, and that fourth day is when we do all the the drills and whatnot. That third day, uh, they were, you know, putting us through some tests and whatnot, and they weighed me, and I was three twelve. That sounds that I sounds had, pretty reasonable. Yeah, I'm, I had been eating like a madman. You know, the food that they gave us was incredible, and we could have as much as we wanted, which is something we really didn't have too much of at Chattanooga. You know, I just we just got groceries and ate like that, but uh, they gave us as much food as we wanted. And I weighed 312, and uh, I talked to my agent, and he was like, yeah, maybe go ahead and try and take it easy for, so that we can run fast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like the first time in my life I was like actively focusing on trying not to stuff my face. That's like, funny. In, oh, that's until funny. Until I was past the pool. Wait, okay, so where do you want to play at? Like, what's the comfortable weight for you for playing? You know, uh, as, as at the very moment, I feel comfortable playing at 305, 306. Okay. Um but it's one of those things where I feel like it grows over time because the first time I hit 300 uh, was two or two and a half years ago, okay. and I felt bloated as can be. Really? You know, I looked at the scale and it said 300, and I was like, holy shit, Like this is insane, and I felt like I was about to puke. And now, like, you know what I mean? Now it's like 305 is very comfortable. You know, whenever I'm hungry and haven't eaten all morning and I weigh myself and I'm like 304, I'm like, man, I'm light. Wow. Um, wow. You yeah, really feel so it down to the pound. Wow. Yeah. It, it's a growing thing. You know what I mean? So I feel like in a couple of years, uh, you know, with the NFL, I, I, I like, I know that the, uh, the training table that they have, the food, the, the supplements and the tri- nutritionist program, yep. like with all the, the right, you know, uh, with all the right things, I guess you would say, I feel like I could get, you know, up to 310. Okay. I, now, and feel I, comfortable you know, playing it just because it's a different type of weight that you're talking about at that point it's not yes yeah it, it's it's uh it is and it's it's one of those things where i wouldn't want to continue to gain weight and gain weight and gain weight if i'm going to play slower um no i understand but, exactly what you're saying this is fascinating stuff man like this is really yeah. like i i wish that i cared this much about like what i felt at a certain weight i should probably pay more attention now starting i might want to <laughs> think about that moving forward okay with that in mind then give me cole strange is hosting a barbecue all right okay. what's on the grill give me like yeah. the three most important sides if cole strange is hosting a bar- barbecue Okay. Um, if it's a barbecue, uh, and in, in the sense that you say barbecue, you just mean like we're grilling out. Yeah, you know, cookout, whatever you want to call it. Exactly okay. right. Yeah, you got you got friends okay. coming over, and and you're on the grill. What's on the grill, and what are you serving as sides? Oh hell yeah! So the if money's not a not a factor in the yep. hypothetical world, we're going to be rolling ribeyes and burgers. Um, that's what I. That's what I would go with 100 percent of the time. Okay, I mean and you're then, not going to get me to argue about that. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sounds phenomenal. Um, it's kind of making my mouth water right now. Yeah, but right. Uh, as far as sides go, you know, man, I'm a I'm a big fan of sides. Anything anything potato, you know, we we could do mashed potatoes. We could do uh, like baked potatoes. Uh, we could do some sort of like potato casserole. 
anything along with potatoes would have to be one of the sides. In my opinion, uh, baked mac and cheese is a phenomenal side. Man. And then for the third one, I'd do some sort of uh, like beans, baked uh, beans or something like that. I'm going to need a promise if you end up getting drafted by the Ravens. I need an invite for the first Cole Strange barbecue <laughs> that happens. All right. That, I'm going to need that. that. Damn good. I need that to occur because that sounds good as hell to me. Cole Strange, man, this is this is incredible. So, uh, but before I let you, give me a, an idea. Who is there a player that you've looked to? You know, it, it, you're not at a, a school where there have been a ton of guys every year that have been able to make this jump. Is there somebody that you've used as a mentor in this process, or a player maybe that you've tried to model your game after um, over the last few years? You know, um, I wouldn't say that there's anyone that falls under that category, or you know, where I've watched and and thought like man i want to be yeah like play like him right um for the most part and i don't know maybe i i don't have any rationale as to why i am this way but i've never found myself like looking up to or admiring people that i don't directly know okay you know what i mean okay even players that are are phenomenal yeah you know what i mean like i enjoy watching certain players quentin nelson is one of them Uh, i love watching jason kelsey yeah um but i've never like you know just to be honest like i've never really looked up to them or idolized them but as ridiculous as it sounds uh normally it's just people that i know sure and i know he's not like as big a name as those guys but one person that i did look up to was Corey levin he was like an older uh he was a senior when i was a freshman at chattanooga right okay and uh he's been in the league for a while i know he, he hadn't like made the the teams or the big names like any of those guys i just said but it's the guy who i came into contact with every day you know, like he was, I was at practice with him. I was in meetings with him and I got to see like, you know, you know how uh, media buzz is like before he got drafted, he was a good player at Chattanooga and people were like, Oh, you know, this is a, you know, one of the best players we've had in a while. Where's he going to go? And in that sense, I thought, man, you know, this would be awesome. Like I, I, I looked up to him in the sense of like, we're in the same situation and he's getting this media buzz. That's cool. He's had a great career at Chattanooga. He's probably going to get drafted. He ended up getting drafted and, and so uh, I guess I just kind of look at the, at the situations and the people who are directly in front of me instead of the people no. that I just see on TV and never actually get to meet. That makes you know? all the sense in the world, man. Like, what, what are you going to learn from guys that aren't there to talk to you about or that you weren't able to watch? That makes all the sense in the world. Cole Strange, this is great stuff, dude. Where can uh, Ravens fans be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? What's your social media handles? Yeah. Um, so let me check because I don't know the stuff off the top of my head. <laughs> Uh, but all right. my Twitter, because all this is relatively new, I got this stuff last summer. So uh, my Twitter is at Cole Strange too. Okay. Some other kid must have taken the first. Yeah, one. right. Who uh, is the other Cole Strange? How do we not steal it away from him? Like, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It kind of pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my other, my Instagram is Cole six zero seven nine eight. Well, how? And wait a second. Cole- <laughs> there can't be six hundred or sixty thousand seven hundred ninety seven other Cole Strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just it, all the coals and the combinations that I, I chose didn't work, so uh, I just did like a collection of numbers. Oh, and I, by the way, I think I just took whatever they suggested for me when I signed up for Instagram because I wasn't taking it seriously at all. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm like Glenn Clark 8178. And everybody's like, why? I'm like, I have. it's just what they gave me, and I didn't care. I didn't care because yeah. I thought Instagram would be going away within a couple of years, and boy, was I wrong about that. Boy, yes, sir. is I wrong? <laughs> hey, Cole Strange, great to get to know you, man. Um, however, this plays out, we will wish you well. Except, please understand, if it's Pittsburgh, you know, don't take anything personally that we 
say about you on Twitter. We promise we don't mean it, all right? Um, <laughs> if it's Baltimore, we can't wait to get to know you better at that point. But best of luck, however this plays out. You're a great dude. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep. Cole Strange joining us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes to chat with us about uh, his preparation for the NFL draft. Look forward to uh, seeing how things play out for him. He's a hell of a football player, man. It's somebody that absolutely could step in very quickly and perhaps address a need for the Baltimore Ravens. All right, we move along here in hour number one of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Got to get to some of the Friday regulars. Got to get to um, Young Utes. Got to get to the, Did This Really Happen? I got to finish this. I've been sitting on. We'll see if we can squeeze that in today. Josh Ross, Michigan linebacker, still to join us. That's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hmm. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have your 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Stephon Gilmore officially signing with the Colts. Sort of surprised that he lasted as long as he did. I get it. He's not the the one-time complete lockdown corner that we thought he was in New England, but still surprised there wasn't a team that took a chance a little bit earlier on in the process. But he ends up in Indianapolis. As we continue along here on a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill where the seasonal menu is available. I feel like you could bring me down still a bit. I still think I'm a bit, yeah, yeah, I think that's better. That's better. All right, uh, the seasonal menu is available, the spring seasonal menu, and so many wonderful things on that spring seasonal menu, including, how about the <clears throat> Cracker Jack Sunday with the waffle ice cream and Cracker Jacks? Sound pretty good? This one sounds unbelievable. The flash fried pork belly with the popular Korean number two sauce. If you've never had the Korean number two sauce, Glory Days Grill on your wings, walk there in order to try it. Get the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the number two sauce, all on that seasonal menu available right now. Get your order in glorydaysgrill.com. From this is a this is a very good question. Tom says, Glenn, in past years, there's been one player that you have coalesced around as being the guy you were in love with going into the NFL draft for the Ravens to take. I remember your heartbreak when Corey Davis went far earlier than the Ravens could have gotten him in that particular draft. It's true. I was in love with Corey Davis. Oh, my God. I had posters on my wall. At night in my sleep, I was saying Corey My wife was like, what? What, what's going on here? I was like that meme where she's like, I bet he's thinking about other women. As it turns out, I was just watching, you know, in my head, I was watching Corey Davis film. Uh, is there someone that you have felt that way this year? I've heard you talk a lot about Jordan Davis. Maybe you have a Davis thing. Maybe I do. I've been given that much thought. Um, How do you feel about Chris Davis? Yeah, I wasn't, I was not, uh, I was not as enamored. Not as, I mean, there was a time where I was in love with Chris Davis like everybody else was. Um, No, but, you know, by the way, and Bateman was my guy last year. I think a lot of people remember that. I was absolutely all on board with Rashad Bateman. Um, Jordan Davis is as close to that this year. The problem to me is that I don't feel – I feel very strongly about Sauce Gardner. I don't think the Ravens have a shot at getting Sauce Gardner. I don't feel strongly about any of the cornerbacks. I think Trent McDuffie's a fine player. I think Derek Stingley might be a really good player, but like everybody else, I'm concerned about the fact that he didn't really do it the last couple of years. Um, you know, the edge rushers, I like Jermaine Johnson. I do. I like him, but I'm not in love with Jermaine Johnson. I like Jermaine Johnson. I've seen people talk about like he would be somebody that you could trade up a few spots to get, and I'm like, ah, I don't. You know, I, it wouldn't bother me because I don't think it would cost you a ton if you're talking about moving up like three spots. But... I don't know that he's a guy like I feel like you have to trade up in order to get. I don't see anyone that stands out so significantly among the options the way that Jordan Davis does. Jordan Davis is a freak. Jordan Davis is not like other humans, man. He's massive. That thing that Daniel Jeremiah said yesterday, he's like, think about how big Haloti Nata is. Jordan Davis is bigger than that. 
Like that really stuck with me. I'm like, holy. Yeah. Hello, used is. to have his shoes delivered yeah, I mean, like one to a box. He's one of the biggest. I dude, I have stood one of the one of the more terrifying. One of my first days when I was back in Baltimore and back on the beat, and I was was when when they drafted Haloti. I never really covered him the first time around, so it wasn't until I came back to Baltimore in 08, and his locker was right near, right next to Terrell Suggs, and I was over talking to Terrell Suggs one day, and Haloti walks, and all I know is there's this, I turn around and there's this mammoth human being standing right there, and Haloti's like the nicest human being you'll ever meet. I was, I did not know that I was stepping on his towel. <laughs> And Haloti was it a tarp? Yeah, it might as well have been. But Haloti in like the most polite way possible. So I'm standing there talking to Terrell Suggs, and I get this tap on my shoulder, and I'm like, huh? Because you know it's just not something that happens a lot while you're in a locker room. I turn around, and it's this mountain of a man, just terrifying. Was he close? Standing there. Well, he had the towel was still mostly wrapped around him, but the towel was so big that somehow my foot was on it too, (laughs) right? And he was like, "Hey man, you're on my tail." And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> Please don't eat me for dinner tonight. <laughs> Such a mammoth human being. Jordan Davis is bigger than that. Jordan Davis is a freak among freaks, man. And the concern about the fact that he only played, what, 30 to 40% of the snaps at Georgia uh, has been covered and covered and covered and covered again. Georgia was so deep that no one played that many snaps at georgia they just kept rotating more dudes in because they were loaded there's a reason why they were national champions they had one of the greatest defenses we'd ever seen so yeah as far as this group of players the guy that i look at and say this to me feels like the surest thing to be a stud jordan davis is the guy that i feel that strongly about i don't feel that strongly about the position need. It's a little bit different. Once upon a time, when the Ravens drafted Haloti Nada, the need was overwhelming. Ray Lewis needed somebody in front of him to take on double teams in order to clear space for him to go be a wrecker in that version of the NFL. The Ravens needed to draft a player like that. I don't know that they need to draft Jordan Davis. I think at this point in the NFL, it's more of a luxury item. It's more of a Hey, you'd like to have a dominant game wrecker up front. There's one team that has Aaron Donald. Nobody else does. And Jordan Davis ain't Aaron Donald. No one, there will never be another Aaron Donald. I don't know that it's a need for the Baltimore Ravens. But as far as the player is concerned, I can't help it. In love with the player. And the guys at the other positions just don't stand out the same way for me. The edge rushers are kind of... One in the same to me. If it's George Karloftis, it's George Karloftis. If it's Boye Mafe, it's Boye Mafe. Jermaine Johnson's the guy I like probably the most out of the, the reasonable group. I mean, like, let's see if somebody were to, like, a Kayvon Thibodeau were to fall. Like, I mean, there's no world in which Aiden Hutchinson is falling. Um, I, you know, I don't, I just don't feel that much more strongly about one of them than the other. I think you're pretty good at any of those, but I feel str- more strongly. There's nobody else that's defensive lineman that I feel that strongly about. So I feel like that's why I'm coalescing around Jordan Davis as the guy that most intrigues me. I am more and more convinced the answer is the defensive side of the ball. I thought Daniel Jeremiah's point was great. If 
you know, you feel that strong about Garrett Wilson, sure. And he happens to drop a little bit, take him. Why not? Um, I am, I'm kind of out on drafting an offensive lineman at this point. You know, the question has been, what if Charles Cross were to fall? Like, that's a really well thought of tackle. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I'm opposed to it. I'm not, if that's who they pick, that's who they pick. That's great. But I'm not in love with it. Jordan Davis is the closest thing I have to that player that I've kind of fallen in love with in this year's draft class. Um, and then the idea of, this was from Cody. Cody said, Glenn, really appreciated your conversation with Daniel Jeremiah yesterday. He opened up a few options. Where do you think the Ravens could start looking if Sauce Gardner were to fall? I guess you're talking about the idea of trading up to get him. Um, I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed imagining the Ravens being a team. If you listen to that uh, interview that Eric DaCosta did with Thomas Dimitrov that was making the rounds this week, you would hear him say, like, we just don't believe in that. Like, we just that's just not the way we do things. We trade back. We acquire picks. We don't move up. Um, I'd be really hard-pressed to envision them moving more than three, four spots up at most in order to get a player. I just don't know that I can see it. I don't know that I could see that. So I think that it would have to be around the range of 10. And I'm hard-pressed to envision Sauce Gardner falling to that point. But if he does, I would, I'd be interested too. I would be with them. Uh, Danny Manning's got a new job. He's going to be an assistant coach for Kenny Payne at Louisville. Uh, I like Danny. I think most of us, when we had him on, we talked about this, agree with the fact that Danny did a respectable job. I think he's being given credit for the fact that we haven't seen a mass exodus of the, the nucleus of the players that were here at Maryland. We haven't seen a situation where, like at LSU, they have literally no one on their roster. They, at the moment, the key players, the players you would have wanted to see stick around, the Hakeem Hearts, the Juju Reeses, at the moment, they're still here. And I think a lot of credit's being given to Danny Manning for the fact that um, he kept the ship moving straight, and that allowed this coach, Kevin Willard, to come in and have the opportunity to not have a toxic situation that he was walking into in order to keep some players around and try to start building something. So credit Danny Manning, um, who did you know about as good of a job as I think you could ask him to do, and he will join Kenny Payne's staff at Louisville. All right, who's up first on the hot seat this week? Hmm? Not everybody at once. Cass? No, you think it's Jordan? All right, we'll try Jordan then. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Somebody else want to whistle? You know, if I hadn't screwed it up the first time, that actually was okay, right? Like that actually was all right. Yeah, I don't know. We're turning off. I muted myself. Everybody, we're having a microphone problem today. Everybody's been muted. Young Utes brought to you today by the Baltimore Police, who are still looking for some folks. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Jordan, before we get into Young Utes. And Kaz, maybe you can under- explain this to me too. Why am I seeing everyone on Twitter use the phrase "my brother in Christ" over the course of the last week? Where did that come from? I know, I know. Yeah, turn. Yeah, we need Jordan up a little bit. I know people have been saying it forever, but I, I don't know why. No, no, no. Like religious people friendly. say it. I'm yeah. telling you, this is like everybody. Everybody on Twitter this week 
is using the phrase, my brother in Christ. I don't, it had to come from somewhere, some sort of, of a meme, some sort of a, I don't know what it is, and it's, it's driving me nuts. Search the phrase, my brother in Christ, and all, you'll just find nothing but a billion tweets about it, and I don't understand it even a little bit. It's clearly some sort of joke, or it's connected to something, and you're supposed to be my entree into what it is that the young people are doing. You got an answer? No, no, search it on Twitter, dummy. Go to Twitter. I said this is on Twitter. Go search. Like, literally, it's everybody just starting their tweet with somebody's tweeting about uh, 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 there's a there's no way home proves Spider Man doesn't need to be an Avenger anymore. The, my brother in Christ, that was literally the point of the whole film. Like, anybody is just saying, my brother in Christ, that's the same picture. They're just using that phrase to set up their tweet, and I don't understand it, and I feel as old as I am at this point. You've got nothing. Yeah, you have no. no you no, have no. I, I have it. Okay. It's from this, uh, I don't know exactly the game, but I've heard a lot about it. It's from this game called Elden Ring. Okay. I've heard about it's Elden a, yeah. Ring. I don't, I don't know the but game. But what does it have to do with Elden Ring? Ring? It, it's like a line one of the characters uses or something like that, and then people like just memed it. Now they're just using it as like sarcasm in a sense. Okay, this is dumb. This no, is no, it is dumb. This is proof that the, we need to turn Cass up too. This is proof that social media is not for me. This is proof that this is not. I I'm out. I'll never be in on this. I don't understand. Like, is there any way to make it funny, or is it just? Spike. We all know what Elden Ring is, and now we're all saying it on Twitter. Like, is there anything about it that's possibly funny? No. If you notice, it's literally just all dudes. Not a single fan. Oh, is it? Hey. Is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, hey. I mean, it does say my brother in grace. Um, <laughs> I have, I have no, I have no clue. It's driving, it's been driving me nuts all week because I keep seeing it. I'm just like, what the, what the hell? How old am I? All right, what do you got for us? What are the uh, young youths besides saying my brother in Christ? What are the young youths talking about? Well, did you know that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? They're they, they're in their fifties. Is this what yeah. the young youths are talking about? Yeah. People care about Ben Affleck. This and is J-Lo. this is something that I would have cared about in like nineteen ninety eight. Like, I don't hey, know. Do people I, care about this? I, I care about Ben Affleck. He yeah. doesn't uh, even have to continue with the story for me to say that this is a win. Wow. Yes. Just the, that it's about his, them too. His young youths his, really care about his these. new yes. movie, uh, Deepwater, was trash. No, was, it didn't, I did not it like didn't it. look good. It's yeah, on one of the it, streaming right. services, yeah, right? It's, it's on, on uh, H- 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 it's HBO Max. I don't know. It's on H- one of one of them. It, it was terrible. But so, did you hear he proposed to her while she was in a bubble bath uh, and referred to it as Saturday night? Well, at my favorite place on earth, my beautiful love got on one knee and proposed. I was taken totally off guard and just looked in his eyes, smiling and crying at the same time trying hard to get my head around the fact that after 20 years, this is all happening all over again. When, did they, when yes. were they first engaged? What year? Uh, what year did they first get engaged? They, they, were pre- they were previously set to marry 18 years ago. They got engaged in November 2002. That was legitimately 20 years ago. She's right about that. Legitimately 20 years ago. Look, um, I don't care. Let me start with that. I I don't care because in that way, God bless it. When people find happiness, I'm all for it. Wherever you find, I love love. God bless whatever it is that you're doing. Um, These two seem to have loved attention as much as anything else. So 
I'm kind of never really sure with them what's going on, right? Like if it's if something is real or if it's just about getting attention. I, I don't think this is about attention. Are you sure? I have a. I mean, it could be. It really could be. But like at the end of the day, like I think that they really did love each other. Maybe they did, and I, maybe it's both. Maybe it's convenient that it's both. They just both. Boy, her more than him. I agree with that. I would say more to be her than him. She seems to be someone who genuinely enjoys attention. Like, really wants... The most important thing is branding, is making sure you are out there, that people know what you're doing, things along those lines. That's why this is all very difficult for me. I don't have... This is the problem. This is where you guys... This won't mean anything at all to you. We were shoved in 2002... Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were shoved down our throats as if they were the only human beings that were on the planet. Benefer. Benefer. They did the worst movie that's ever been made in human history, a film called Gili. It was so hyped because it was Ben Affleck and Jennifer. There was a time in our country where Jennifer Lopez had the number one movie in America and the number one song in America, the number one album in America. Jennifer Lopez is a mediocre musician. She's at best fine. I still can't believe she did the Super Bowl halftime show. She has no iconic songs. Agreed. Like she just does not it does not exist. I agree. She's a fine performer. She's clearly incredibly talented, but she just does not have a catalog that says you should be doing the Super Bowl halftime show. I think her talent is attractiveness. That's not far from the truth. She's very talented. It's wrong to say she's not very talented. I'm not saying she's, she's incredibly not talented, talented, but I think but her looks helped her get there. I don't think she's an overwhelmingly gifted actress. I don't think she is I don't think she stands out from anyone else as far as her music is concerned. I think her music is just fine, and that's kind of it. But this country was obsessed, obsessed with Jennifer Lopez. Started with Selena. It started with Selena. You're right about that. People loved that. 1,000% started with Selena, and there were like five years where it was just nothing but Jennifer Lopez. It was just shoved down our throats. So I was kind of sick of it. I was kind of sick of how much it was shoved down our throats. Ben Affleck's dealt with his demons, uh, right? He's got a he had a drinking problem there for a while. He's been through a lot of things. I, I hope that his life is moving forward. And you know, I I'm inclined to like Ben Affleck. I don't really have a reason for that though. Like, it's not like I think he's. It's not like I mean, Goodwill Hunting is Goodwill Hunting, but to me that was always about Matt Damon far more than it was about Ben Affleck. He had a good um, movie. Which one? The Accountant. Isn't that what it was? Accountant was good. I like that and one. And then Argo was probably his best, like like as far as his movie is concerned, that was probably his best movie. The Town was pretty good. Town was okay. It was okay. I, I didn't love it. He's you know? a hard critic though, Paul. What about, what about um, the one with the wife? Gone Girl. I... I, these are all movies that are fine to me. Like, they're watchable mm. is what they are. They're movies that you're like, I could watch that if I'm sitting around. But they're not movies that I feel strongly about or I think are iconic or I think are... I think, obviously, the, the closest thing to iconic is... Moretz. <laughs> different thing. Again, not his... You know what? It's, a, it's really funny you bring that up. It's not his movie, but he was, of course, you know, famously, what, like the back of a Volkswagen? Um, <laughs> famously a significant part of it and ended up doing, God, how many other Kevin Smith movies did he do? He did Chasing Amy. He did Chasing Amy. He, he did Jay and Silent Bob. Was he in Dogma? I've never seen Dogma, believe it or not. How is that possible? I have no oh, idea. I would spend some time with that. Um, 
and I, he was he was in Dogma, and so he did the Kevin Smith movies, but mm-hmm. he was a bit part, like that. Those are Kevin Smith movies; they're not Ben Affleck movies, right? Like Ben Affleck was just there; he was along for the ride as Kevin Smith made these classic movies. Kevin Smith also made Jersey Girl, which was a truly terrible movie that I couldn't bring myself to admit was truly terrible because I was so obsessed with Kevin Smith at that point in my life, mm-hmm. and I was semi dating a girl who was from New Jersey. And so I was so excited about going to it that I just lied and said, that was great, wasn't it? It was wreck. It was awful. It was garbage. And it had everything. It had George Carlin. It had Ben Affleck. Jennifer Lopez actually played uh, it. It was very briefly in the film, too, as was Will Smith, of course, famously in Jersey Girl. Liv Tyler. Um, had everything you could ask yeah. for. Everything. And it sucked. Oh, it was terrible. He was in Armageddon terrible film what this is we have to talk about it i love armageddon of course you do of course you do because it was a time in our lives where we loved summer blockbusters everybody wanted an epic summer blockbuster because independence day brought back the concept of the summer blockbuster right like the movie that you waited all year for and you wanted to see and it got hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped and independence day somehow lived up to all of the hype lived up to it and and more so it brought back the summer blockbuster concept so for the years that followed we were all waiting for what was going to be that year's summer blockbuster and armageddon was shoved down our throats as being the summer blockbuster and you go and you watch it and it's big and it's stupid and you're like this works it's summer blockbuster then you watch it again outside of a movie theater and you realize it's garbage i watch it, it every time it's on horrendous so does my wife horrendous it is michael bay it is michael bayist it is quickly we'll we'll set this up but we gotta get into something else in 20 seconds there is no time for anything to breathe it's dumb beyond dumb it dumbs down great actors are asked to dumb themselves down as much as they possibly can michael clark duncan billy bob thornton truly great actors of that time who are asked to be as dumb as they possibly can armageddon stinks now if you feel stinks if you feel that way about armageddon how do you feel about deep impact deep impact was fine it's a different concept i'm good with like here's an example people panned the meg the meg is a wonderful shark film it's fun. It's I'm a good it's time. Good. It's a really fun flick, man. It ain't Jaws because nothing ever will be. Jaws is one of the three greatest movies ever made. Nothing can be Jaws. But The Meg is a fun shark flick. I'm okay with fun. Armageddon ain't fun. It's for 20 seconds it's fun. And then 20 seconds later it's the most dramatic scene ever. And then 20 seconds later it's stupid. It's the... Michael Bay has this thing where he's incapable. I don't know how The Rock somehow survived it. The Rock still somehow hung on as being a good movie, but there are moments when I go back and watch The Rock, I'm like, oh, God, oh, right, he is Michael Bay. He, had, he was obsessed. One Transformers movie, okay. Next, by the second Transformers movie, you were like, oh, dude, you had to Michael Bay it up. You had to. He has to get... You can't let anything breathe. There's no ability to let a scene play out. He has to immediately... He's doing something right now, right? I swear to God, there's something going on with Michael Bay right now that everybody's been talking about, and I wanted to have a Michael Bay conversation because of it, but I can't remember what it was. So Ambulance? Ambulance. It looks like a good time at a motion picture, right? It looks like a thriller. Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. And if you watch the trailers, you find yourself saying, like, I would watch that. I don't know if I'm going to go to a movie theater to see it, but I would watch that. That looks like a fun motion picture, a thriller, all of that. 
but I don't trust that Michael Bay can keep it in his pants. I don't trust <laughs> that he can allow it to just be fun. He has to get to the next thing. Yeah, oh, it just it makes my skin crawl. It, I swear to God, just talking about Michael Bay drives me nuts because he could never, he was never, ever capable of just letting a scene play out. He had to get to whatever was next immediately. Jump, flash forward, get there as fast as we possibly can. Oh, I hate it. Armageddon sucked. <laughs> ben, congratulations, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. The next one is Eat. I just went on a Michael Bay ramp, and I don't know how we got there. Thank you, Paul. Paul threw out Armageddon. It really scared you're, me. You're welcome. Idris Elba. Well, I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm in. Says he sold weed to Dave Chappelle to support his early acting career. So Cool. Yeah. I mean, do, so, you, do the young people care about that? <laughs> I care about Dave Chappelle and Idris eh, Elba. Eh, I mean, I love I, Idris I, Elba. I, I, don't think Dave, I think Dave Chappelle is hilarious. I don't think you compare it to the young youths. Yeah. No I don't, offense. I don't, I don't think that this is something. That, I don't know. That, you're talking about, again, 50-year-old actors. <laughs> like, you're, you're really Dave, you're going heavy Dave, in the 50-year-old world. Dave <laughs> Chappelle is hilarious. I, he's, he's had a few. Are you it, doing the, the scene now? Or are you yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Nick Cannon so, is hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, no. El- Elba, pretty, the story is Elba moved to America, and he was struggling to find work. So he was a bouncer at a By club. Way, I, I nearly nailed it. Chappelle's 48, Elba's yeah. 49. Oh. Yeah, nearly and, nailed it. And Elba... <laughs> Then was like, oh, I need more money on the side. I'm going to sell weed. And then Chappelle hit Elba up to be his plug. And now they're friends. Uh, cool. Uh, God bless. I mean, uh, Papa bless. I don't know what else there's to say about that. It's a neat story. And, and I, I like these gentlemen. Although Dave Chappelle's, I've struggled with it, right? Like, I'm not a cancel person. I'm not anything like that. But you, it's got to be funny, and there were a couple times where it really did cross the line between funny and just plain cruel. Like, it really did, and I tried... S- some of his old skits Well, are... I mean, yes. The Chappelle, you, you have no clue how Chappelle's show overwhelmed the nation. Like, you couldn't live, you couldn't breathe in this country if you hadn't watched Chappelle's show the night before. It was... It was a phenomenon unlike any other phenomenon we had seen. Nobody is knocking the totality of Dave Chappelle's career. It's that more recently it has felt like his own desire to be like the I'm going to be the guy that cancels cancel culture has led him astray. Instead of just being funny, he's been desperate to I have to do the transgender stuff in every special that I do. And like it's just not interesting. It's not funny. I I get that you think you're saying something or that you're pushing a boundary, but like you can push boundaries if you're fun. It's like Chris Rock making a GI Jane joke, dude. It ain't funny. Like I'm not saying you deserve to be slapped, but it's just not a funny joke. Yeah. You, you be funny, and you can do about. You can get away with just about anything you want to get away with, as long as you're actually funny. This felt way more like a weird form of activism from Dave Chappelle in more recent years, where it was more about him making a statement. And it lost the funny in the process. And that's the bothersome part to me about Dave Chappelle is that, like, dude, I know how funny you are. Just be funny. All this other stuff, being mad because people are trying to cancel you, being, get over it. Be funny. And that stuff just wasn't, it just wasn't funny. It was, it was weird and at times borderline cruel. But 
Um, I like Dave Chappelle. I love Idris Elba, obviously. And this year is the 20th anniversary of the first episode of The Wire. So we'll be doing some coverage later on the year of that. And this is important because you've got to strike on number two. So we've got to see how you do on number three. So comedian Drewski. Do you, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you don't, you I, know, I have no idea what so, this is. I don't know so what a Drewski I, is. I, Everyone on social media, lo- he's like best friends with Jack Harlow. Everyone, okay, everyone loves him. I hate him. I think he is. I feel like you've talked to me about yeah, him before. I, I think he is so terribly unfunny. I I do not get his crate. He makes no good jokes. He makes these dumb <laughs> skits that are that are just horrible. They're Agreed. terrible to watch. Agreed. They but everyone loves him. Everyone my age. I think is it's like, just because of Jack Harlow. Uh, yeah, and so, anyways. He made a skit that he then deleted and is now being canceled over it, rightfully so, because, and this is the theme of most of his skits. They're like playing on pop culture, stuff like that. So he played the character of a man at a party targeting an attractive woman and encouraging her to drink more. Near the end of the skit, his character stares down the woman and like makes a seductive face as she dances with her friend. And he captioned it. He was like, he was like, it was the laughing emoji and then like a face pump. Say it emoji. one more time. <laughs> so he made a skit. Yeah. Where he was like playing a man who encouraged a woman to like drink a lot so he could like take her home. So he could rape her. Yeah, pretty okay. much. And he, we got we to gotta use he, the he, actual he, terms. Yeah, he, he was making like a rape joke. And then everyone afterwards were like, no, he's bringing awareness to it. And everyone was like, He's not bringing awareness to it. He tried making a joke. The caption was literally the laughing emoji with a face palm. And the thing is, he he's not funny. He does stuff like this all the time where it's just, it's horrible. It There's no no comedy aspect I, at all. I, this goes, literally almost goes back to what I just said. As long as you're funny, you can do a lot of things, right? Like if it's actually funny, you can, you can push boundaries and you can have conversation and you can be art. I, I don't. I certainly don't give a rat's ass about this because I don't even know who this person is. Do the young do the young youths care? Not about him. I would say that if this was like someone like Addison Ray or Charlie D'Amelio or I don't know Noah Beck, like some high top influencer on TikTok, and they did this, it would be probably like the most big deal on social media. Okay. But this guy, like, I don't think young youths really ah, care about him. Womp womp. Boo, you suck. Um. Look, man, I don't care. I also understand that, like, the concept of art, like, if you make a movie and it involves a scene like that, you're not necessarily encouraging someone to do it. You're telling a story. So I very, it's a very fine line with art and where art influences life. And I don't know enough about this dude to understand whether or not what he does, he, there's there's a, a clear line yeah. between the two things. I, he, I just couldn't he's tell you. Just, I don't know. He's got, like, 4 million followers on Instagram. He's been on tour with J. Cole, just as, like, a comedian. Like he doesn't. You go to a like, J Cole show and the opening act is gonna be a comedian. Yeah. Like he, like he, he's friend, best friends with Drake, best friends with Odell Beckham, best friends with Jake Paul. I mean, like sounds he, like he's got a good life. Good for him, man. Like I just don't understand it. He's I've never. He's not funny, and also like he's horrible. Everything he posts is not like serious. Like everything it is is like a stupid joke. So that's why, like, if there are TikTokers, like, there's different. Like how they explain it is like. There's different genres to TikTok, right? So like, <laughs> okay. there's like, it, no, it's like a trend where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm on gym talk, which means like, 
all my like all my for you pages like gym TikToks, right? Oh, like people in a gym. Like people not guys out. named Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was guys. I was actually waiting for be like no, people like, eating like, slim gyms. I was really gym. excited. About it. I would subscribe to that page. And like a lot of people are about skits and storytelling, and like when their whole like basis is on that, you know not to judge it. But then when it's just some guy who like makes jokes because I saw the video and I thought the same thing. I was like, that's kind of like messed up. Like that doesn't seem right because it's not his agenda. It's not what he does. This is very weird. I this look, man. I'm tr- TikTok's not gonna be for me. It's just not gonna happen. He, he I'm not does, gonna be that guy. He does like Instagram and he's just he's and the worst part. Do you know Caleb Presley, the barstool guy? I'm familiar with so him. So he yeah. does these things, Sunday conversations. Okay. Which are like he invites a celebrity down and he just asks them. Yeah, it's, stupid, a, it's a play yeah. on the old ESPN yeah. Sunday yeah. conversation. And, right. And so he had one with Drewski. And it's as if Drewski was trying to like out funny. Kate, like he would ask a question and Drewski would get like all like fake mad and like try like intimidating Caleb. And Caleb literally would be like, what's going on? Like Drewski's not funny. He he doesn't deserve this. This hype. is really all this is for yeah. you. Is I you hate, just want to rail on someone that I want to rail on Michael I, Bay? I, 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 We're yeah. going war. You yeah. guys, anybody personal. you want to go war it's on personal. over there? It's, Either one of you want to go pers- war it's, on somebody? It's personal. We're going war on Drewski. War on Michael Bay. You got somebody, Paul? You want to go war on today? I'm sure I do. But Cass, who do you want to go war on today? Think about it. We're going to give you that opportunity. We're going war. We are we are going after people we want to go after today. I don't I don't know anything about him, but you know what? I think I might side with Drewski. I think I might just for the sake of it. All right, that's Young Utes. We do it every Friday as little Jordan attempts to tell us what the Young Utes care about. Apparently today he was a little off on what the Young Utes actually care about. At least that's what we're to understand. All right, when we come back in, we will chat with Josh Ross, Michigan linebacker, another potential NFL draft Ravens prospect. Today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed either of Stan's shows this week, Stan and Ross catching up with Ken Singleton earlier on in the week. Or uh, Stan and Gary Stein chatting with author Jack Gilden last night. They're both available. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Coming up on Monday afternoon, Stan and Ross will catch up with former Orioles pitcher Steve Johnson. Stan's doing shows for you every week at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world Real fresh, real fast Royal Farms 
Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans 14 and under to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I understand the late night cookie business for like people that smoke weed. Like that makes sense to me. But if you're out drinking, the last thing I wanted, like, it, that's going to make you puke to me is that if I eat some ice cream and cookies. Like, I, if I was out drinking at an age, I wanted pizza. I wanted French fries. I wanted something greasy after a night of drinking to, to sort of sop up some of that that I was eating. I never, I, where this, like, late night and delivery cookie thing came from, and it's overwhelming. I mean, it's, and God bless, I'm sure the products are wonderful. I just, I don't understand how it correlates with late night drinking. I don't get that. I'll eat what I, the the other night I came back from the Orioles game hammered beyond belief, mm. and I had salmon fillets defrosting in weird. my fridge. That's a weird choice, I, my man. I was I was so close. I looked at my girlfriend. And I said, "I'm gonna make salmon right now." And she said, "You probably shouldn't use the stove right now." So instead, we went to Wawa, but. We I, we like Royal Farms around here, Jordan. Yeah, That's no. who we like. Yes. we like no, Royal. I, I, Farms. You went to they, Royal Farms and got some chicken. They if they, they need yes. to open one up in Towson. That's no no no. That's who we like around uh, here. Yes. That's what we do, Jordan. I went to unnamed gro- unnamed. No, no, no. Uh, we just say we went to Royal Farms. So you're not getting it. I'll stick That's, with the hot Cheetos and cream cheese. I understand that. That's my drunk. I understand snack. that way more. Way I don't get. Drinking all night and then wanting ice cream and cookies. I don't understand I would, that. I don't know. I mean, I 
I would eat a whole cake. I would eat, I would love cake or like ice cream. <laughs> would, or like I love that at first she would eat a whole cake. I would. She would eat a. It's a not, it hasn't. It's not like it's happened or anything. She's like she's like, she's yeah, like look, man. I did a whole pan of lasagna. Like no big deal. I would. <laughs> Like just put any kind of food in front of me and I'm eating it. I I, I used to I just, salmon. I had a yeah. I'll eat salmon. I would have a limit. There would be a limit. I'm telling you, after a night of drinking, it's gonna need to be something fried. It's gonna be need to be something greasy. I, like you, you putting a salmon down in front of me. Like what? What is this? Also, if it requires me using utensils, like if I can't just stuff it in my face, it's gonna be a problem. Why? After why do you need to use utensils for salmon? You're just gonna pick up a salmon fillet and. Shove it in your mouth. Sure. Weirdo. What a weirdo you are. All right, back in here in GCR. Jordan was telling us about his evening last night, and I was like, what, you, went, you went out for cookies after a night of drinking? It just doesn't make sense to me. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. You, we, you can still use the code PRESSBOX when you make your first deposit up to $100. We'll match it with free money for you to play with underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy Football app. Had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule and getting ready for the NFL draft, but an opportunity to catch up with Michigan linebacker Josh Ross here on GCR. Well, joining us now here on GCR as we continue our coverage of the 2022 NFL draft is a man who's going to hear his name called in this year's draft and particularly intriguing for us here in Baltimore because we happen to know his former defensive coordinator pretty well. Uh, he's here now joining us. Michigan linebacker Josh Ross, he's with us on GCR. Josh, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to chat with you, dude. So give me an idea. Your thumbnail, the time that you got to spend this past season around Mike McDonald. What you get to know about him and, and, and what should we know, whether or not you end up back with him here in Baltimore, what should we know about him as Ravens fans? Man, you know, uh, my experience with Coach Mike McDonald was honestly the best pos- possible experience it could be. Um, just a guy, like a coach that came into a uh, environment to a challenge that honestly was, was bigger than him, you know, uh, coming off the season that we had in 2020 and then coming into the new year. But, I mean, I, I remember the first conversation we had, man, like it's just as we as we conversated, as we talked, it's like it's so easy to talk to this this guy like wow. it's so easy to open up to this guy and uh, build a bond on a different level than I ever built with a coach um but you know coach Mike McDonald was an excellent leader excellent coach um and uh you know it paid dividends for sure um having him um in our program last season you know did, did do you find yourself I get it you're gonna be excited no matter where it's gonna be but do you find yourself saying hey man you know it might be a little intriguing if it ends up being Baltimore and being able to hang out with my guy again I mean yeah man I <laughs> I would definitely be excited for that, you know. Uh, and I definitely would be excited for that. So we'll see what happened. But, right. um, like, if, when me and Coach Mike reunite one day, whether if it's draft day or, or any time after that, dude, I'm going to be the happiest dude ever. I mean, it, it would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool for it to work out oh, that yeah. way. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, jo- yeah. Josh, let's just get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, for, oh, yeah. for people that, that, that say, you know, what, what, type, or, what type of football player is an NFL team getting when they draft Joshua Ross? Yeah, the type of football you're getting from Joshua Ross is a football player. I'm a go-getter. Um, I'm a gritty, tenacious, tough uh, player that leaves his heart on on the field every single snap, every rep. Um, and I'm a guy that, you know, my whole career, my whole life, whatever I have to do to help the team win, 
Um, I know people just say it, but I'm about it. And uh, I carry my business as such um, every day. So a team is going to get a guy that's going to do everything in his power to help the team win, help the team be better, and honestly help myself be the best player I can be every day. Do you feel like you're getting uh, overlooked in this draft process? Do you feel like you should be getting the type of attention that maybe some of the guys are getting at the top of the draft that – that, that, that right now teams are, are missing what type of talent they might be able to find in Josh Ross. Yeah, um, you know, listen, I, I can't control who, yep. who knows, who watches my game, who watches film, but as a guy that, you know, played at Michigan as a, as a linebacker um, that played at a high level, that plays at a high level, man, I, I bring so much to the table. And uh, whoever gets me, I believe is going to be a steal. Um, and it's going to be something when they're going to look back at it as like a guy, like I'm, I'm glad we invested in that guy. So um, overlooked or not, man, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just uh, ready to go prove myself when the time comes and that uh, and them lights is on. P- position wise, where do you think you most slide in in specifically, let's just say, because it's what's in Baltimore in a three, four defense? Yeah, um, I mean. Obviously, you know, Mike is what position I feel like in a 3-4 I'm best suited for. Um, last year was the first time I've honestly ever played in a 3-4 defense, and I love the way that we constructed our defense, and we was built off of having hard edges, uh, knocking, knocking them back and staying square. And we play like that every day and every game, to be honest. Um, but Mike Linebacker, man, I, I'm a guy that, you know, I embrace you know, making the calls. I embrace – you know, being that rock on the defense because, honestly, that's just naturally who I am. So um, Mike is where I feel I'm suited. I'll do anything, whatever. Mike will, whatever I got to do. Sure, you know, of I'm course. Right. Are you the guy that, you, like, do you like being the one that, that, that sends out the commands, that sort of takes on the roles, the quarterback of the defense? Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, last year I was uh, – it was a lot of situations where um, – I mean, it pretty much every situation where I'm, you know, I'm the quarterback of the defense and I have to make the calls to get the defense started in a line. Um, and it was challenging at times, especially playing some teams that did hurry up. Um, it kind of gave us some problem, us some problems early on, but um, that, 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 that's the best feeling in the world. Um, rallying the troops, you know, earning that respect before anything yep. from my teammates and able to be a leader on that field and, uh, you know, lead as, as best as I can, man. It's no feeling better than that. He is Josh Ross from Michigan. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Josh, um, you know, you, you obviously had the, your brother played in the NFL, went through this experience. I know he's a coach now at Cincinnati. Yeah. How much have yeah. you leaned on him as you've gone through this process yourself, asked him for advice, and what's the best thing that maybe he's told you to help prepare you for your own moments? Yeah, man, uh, that, that, my brother James, he's literally been coaching me you know, ever since I came out the womb, you know, we was five and a half years apart um, uh, growing up. So you literally everything he did, I wanted to do better. And he was one of the, like my brother was one of those guys that was a great guy, you know, one of the best role model, the best role model I possibly can have. But he also was a superstar when we were young. And I was a little brother in our family that used to, you know what I'm saying, get picked on and right. bullied on a little bit because right. I used to lose. And it like built up a competitive nature in me, you know, that, uh, that's unexplainable for real. Like, I'm a competitor. I want to win. Like, I want to compete, um, you know. And, you know, my brother, he was the reason why I am the way I am. Um, and I'm just so thankful and glad that, you know, I have somebody like him in my life because um, he's definitely helped me. And I, I'm just really excited to see, you know, he, he, he just got hired as a Cincinnati uh, position coach 
and I'm just excited to see him flourish and thrive in the coaching world because, like, he's one of the best. Is it and, some uh, people gonna see that? Is it something that you could see yourself doing at some point down the road? Do you you know you talk about being a leader on the field? Do you see yourself as a type that like again no, no time soon because you're looking to have a lengthy career in the NFL? Oh yeah, but like no at doubt. some point in the future, could you see yourself being a coach as well? Yeah, man, uh, it's it's definitely possible. Uh, like just a few things on my radar as something I want to aspire to be after football is over is like coaching, uh, maybe like a TV personality, but. Um, just as far as those two categories, that's kind of only ones I got it broken down into right now. But as a coach, that comes naturally to me. Um, I'm a natural born leader, and that's something that would really uh, flow good with me. Um, as far as like how I carry myself, conduct my business, I definitely could see myself doing that. Josh, you know, I brought up and, and I talked to some folks at Michigan who said, you know, referenced the leadership thing and, and what we're talking about. And one of the things they said is that, like, Josh, you, you, you can't learn about Josh the player just by looking at his measurables. And I, I know you probably were disappointed by maybe some of the things the combine, some of the things that people said. But do you feel like teams understand that about you? Like, when you have a conversation, do you feel like teams get that you're not a player that can alone be defined by, you know, whatever you know, cone score or drill that somebody does and that you offer that much more in terms of being an all-around football player? Yeah, man, I'm a, I am ai am a football player, you know, like I'm not a, a combine guy, you know, never was, but at the same time, like it's about getting to point A and point B as fast as possible. And that's one thing last year that I improved was my play recognition, how fast I get to the ball. And as, as a theme, a lot of scouts that I talk to, always uh, contribute to the fact that I play a lot faster than what my 40 shows, so don't worry mm-hmm. about it. You know what I mean? So uh, I really, you know, pride myself in the way I play, um, the way I prepare. And honestly, you know, <laughs> uh, Coach, Coach Mike, you know, nobody knows me like Coach Mike. That's what I'm so, saying, right? <laughs> uh, if, anybody, if anybody knows as far as, you know what I'm saying, how I am as a ball player and how I conduct myself, it's, it's Coach Mike because he's seen it day in and day out. Scheme wise, you know, you talked about him and, and his relatability, but scheme wise, what, what you guys, yeah. not to say that you were a bad defense before, I want to make that very clear, but you guys were out of this world a year ago. And I know it helps because yeah. you were loaded with really good players, right? Like there yeah. couldn't have been more good players. But, but what did he bring from a scheme that maybe helped elevate you even to that next step where you guys were able to win the Big Ten and have a shot at the national title? What he brought that we haven't seen at Michigan, especially since I've been there, was the ability to collaborate, the hmm. ability to work together, the ability to work together with uh, the leaders and the players, giving them like a, a, a say, and also giving every assistant coach equal part in the puzzle and putting it all together is why we, you know, what we built was so great because it wasn't just Coach Mike, it wasn't just me or Aiden, it was like everybody working together. Uh, and unison, and that's what made us as good as we were. I mean, it's not just you and Aiden. It's not just you and Aiden and David Ajabo. It's not just you and Aiden and David Ajabo and Daxton Hill. It's not, you know, like, my God, the list goes on. Um, No doubt. Hey, you know, with that in mind, did you – did you reach out to David at all, you know, going through what he went through? I can only imagine how difficult that was. He's still another player that I think is, because of the injury being overlooked, we know how good that dude is. Did, did you say anything to him? I know that had to be heartbreaking for everybody. Yeah, so immediately after it happened, and honestly, what makes me upset is how, like, the media narrates the the actual action of what happened is that people was walking away not caring, but really the other angle of the camera 
his trainers running over to him. Nobody just knew because it, it was just sudden. And you didn't know what to do. But um, you know, I, ta- I actually talked to David uh, the next night. Um, me, Josh Uche, and Khalid Hudson went to his crib, and uh, we was talking. And uh, David is, dude, that dude is one of the most motivated guys I've ever been around. Yeah. As far as you know how he is and his, his competitive nature, and you know this is just he just takes it as like. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bump in his road, but it ain't about to stop nothing that's about to happen oh, and what he's about to do. And that's the energy he brought when I had a conversation with him. Um, so he's just excited to uh, go get it in this next round. And wherever he gets drafted, uh, he's going to make the best of it. That's cool. Sure. That's cool. All right, Josh Ross from Michigan with us on GCR, just another minute or two. Josh, when I say the words Ravens defense to you, what, what comes to mind? Does the heritage of the Ravens defense still matter to guys that are your age the way that it did 10, 15 years ago when Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were dominating this league? Oh, yeah, you already know it, man. Like, as a backer, your favorite player is going to be Ray Lewis. Yeah. And for me, that was my guy. Um, just the way that Ravens played in unison and the way they hit, how physical they were, how tenacious they were. Um, I, honestly, that was something as a kid, man, you know, that's all I watched for real was, was Ray Lewis because I wanted to be like him. Wow. Um, so, you know, the mantra of the Ravens, the mantra of Ravens defense, man, like if I'm able to be a part of that and, and contribute to the, the the success in years past, I would be the, the happiest man alive. It's cool to hear you talk about it. Like the legacy matters to you and, and, and carrying on something like that. That's really cool. You know, he and he and Jim Harbaugh were teammates. You ever try to like nudge him and say, hey, man, can you can you introduce me at some point? Like, can you can you hook me up? <laughs> Jeffrey, no, I never, I never, I never nudged him. Uh, I never pushed him or nudged him to do that. But I mean, you know, like I said, dude, the Ravens defense, like the connection we have from Michigan to yeah. the Ravens with uh, Coach Harbaugh, um, everything about it, man, uh, it's exciting, you know, and it's something that, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in, you know. That's um, awesome. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's so. the reason it's the reason we wanted to talk to you, my friend, because it's 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 really intriguing. It seems like such a dumb guy thing, right? Like, hey, he yeah. was the coordinator, but like it's got to be an advantage. It has oh, it's, to. De- it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that cuz the thing about football and like what when you see teams succeed the way they do, like when you see teams win Super Bowls inside the locker room, them dudes are close as as, as they can ever be as far as from coaches to players and they, everybody hold each other accountable. That's how you win. Yeah. Um, and I'm just ready to get into a place and, and earn respect and, and, and build a culture like that one day, you know? I love that. Love everything about that. All right, Josh Ross, what can we plug for you social media-wise? Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? Where can Ravens fans be giving you a follow? Oh, yeah, you can. So it's the same underscore for both Twitter and Instagram, but Instagram is uh, Joshua Ross underscore 12. Joshua Ross underscore 12. Give him a follow there. Dude, we, you know, you're a great dude. This has been a tremendous conversation, and it would be really fascinating. Just I I can't help but shake that it would make a whole lot of sense for your name to be one that gets called by the Baltimore Ravens. What I'll tell you is if that happens, we can't wait to get to know you better. But we also know that if if you get drafted by the Steelers, you're going to be really excited. We just ask, please don't be offended by anything we say about you on Twitter. We promise it's not personal. We don't mean it if that ends being the case. Yeah. All right. Hey, oh, no. man. <laughs> Josh, uh, congratulations on everything so far. Looking forward to seeing what's ahead for you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is Josh Ross from Michigan, who, again, did not – you know, the numbers at the combine, he did not test well, but as I keep talking to more and more people, his story is not, you know, his measurements, not what he tests it. It's that 
he's the backbone of a defense. He's the guy that you trust and you rely upon in order to make plays. So we will see a uh, fascinating dude, you know, was obsessed with Ray Lewis, knows a thing or two about Mike McDonald. I, I keep saying it. I understand you just get the best football players, but it's got to mean something that Mike McDonald worked with these guys, knows them better than he would know anybody else in this draft. Like, that has to mean something. What exactly that is, I don't know, but it's got to mean something as we get ready for next week's NFL draft. All right, uh, it is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. We got one more break to take, and when we come back in, we will find out, did this really happen? Tidbit, tubular to wrap up the week. It is a Friday edition of GCR. Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans, 14 and under, to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the Bat Around, live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. 
We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Winding down for the week here on GCR. Don't forget, there's only a few days left for you to pick up this print issue of PressBox. It's available still at your neighborhood Royal Farms. They have hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Gary Williams is on the cover. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland's men's basketball national championship. Again, go get that right now. Um, so, I'm Cass, I got a question for you. On Tuesday, I'm probably going to take my son to the Towson, Maryland baseball game in the afternoon. My son's off next. This is it weird? My son's off next week. I always weird. thought spring, like for, for school, spring break was the week before Easter. But apparently at their school, it's the week after Easter, which is very strange to me. I don't get that whatsoever. So he's off next week. So he wants to come in and hang out with me one day. He wants to come in, and I'm just going to take him to house Maryland game. So I was like, all right, I'll bring him in on Tuesday because that's the day of the game. If I bring him in, will you, like, wander out and play uh, beanbags with him and all that sort of stuff? He's seven years old. 100%. He's, all right, all right. I so love we kids. M- we might do that on Tuesday. We might have... My seven-year-old come in studio and hang out with us. He's also got a lot of takes. Oh, so many takes. <laughs> Mostly related to how amazing it was that Cedric Mullins at a Grand Slam. Dad, do you remember when Cedric Mullins hit that? I, I do. How'd he do that? Well, he hit a home run with the bases loaded. Yeah, but, like, it was a Grand Slam. <laughs> He's sort of like uh, Chris Farley doing the Chris Farley show on SNL all those years ago. You remember when you were in the Beatles? That was cool. That was awesome. <laughs> like, my son is very much like that. Those are the majority of his takes. And then he's like that with himself. Like, he'll, uh, we'll play, we play, I've talked about this before, we play a game of football every night before bed. We call it bedroom football. And, uh, like, I'll let them win because I, I still do that. Like, last night I didn't. I got to every now and then remind them that they got to step their game up. But I'll let them win a lot, right? And they'll win. And he'll be afterwards, he'll be like, how'd I do that? Like, because he just wants to keep <laughs> talking about how cool it was. You remember when I remember when I scored that touchdown? How'd I do that? <laughs> well, you had the ball and you got to the bed, and that's what we call a touchdown. So that's that's how you did it. Then I realized like he's basically asking the same questions that I ask when I have guests on. So, how are you good at football? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think we're gonna have the boy in here next. So maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll, we'll interview him. I don't know. Last time he was here, he didn't want to come on the show at all. I was like, you want to come in and say hello? And he was terrified. It's like no, that's because of me. Oh, that's right. You were here. You were here to heat up his his chicken nuggets. Yeah, that was Jordan's. <laughs> his little football. mini corn dogs. Yeah, that's what it was. Corn dogs. That's exactly what it was. I'll bring my seven year old in next week. All right, uh, it is time for Did This Really Happen? Did This Really Happen is brought to you by Simply the Bets. Every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m., where you get good advice from uh, Aaron Oster and the folks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And Weekend at Bookies returns next Thursday morning at 11.40 a.m. as well. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. So... Cass lost last week because Jordan and oh, I... Oh, I won. Right, because Jordan and I got it right, but she considered it a victory because... Not considered, it was a victory. Because Paul, who had been on a Scotty Scheffler-like heater, was wrong, and that was all she needed in order to feel like she had won. I'm bouncing back this and week. Let's find out what you got for us, we'll Cass. See. Okay, so according to HuffPost, in Altadena, California... Um, a teacher on campus kidnapped three students on a Saturday night 
and held them at knife point until they took him to Jack in the Box. <laughs> One of the students called 911, and when the teacher saw a police Re- helicopter... Let's start by saying, relatable. Yeah. Like, you know, it's at relatable. Point, yeah. yeah. When the teacher saw a police helicopter, he made a break for it. He was arrested for kidnapping, false imprisonment, and criminal... Oh, oh my gosh. And criminal threats. All right. You said it was from the Huffington Post. Yep. And you said it was in Altadena, California? It was. guess we should start by knowing whether or not there really is an Altadena, California. This did not happen. This did not happen, Paul says. Jordan? It happened, but they didn't go to Jack in the Box. So false. So not 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 true. Mm, I don't like this because that's where I was leaning as well. I was literally leaning to everything's true except they went to in and out instead of Jack in the Box. That's where I was leaning. Um, but we're right. Look at that face. She's there's making. a there's a chance for me to slide in and get a point here if I say true. But I don't believe it's true. I think it is also false. I think everything about it is true except for that part. It really sucks that you guys all lost. Oh! What? <laughs> what? Win, win, Damn. win, 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 win. I got all three of you. <laughs> oh. See, I heard this story. I heard Jeremy Kahn <laughs> talking about a story where it was, it was a high school lunch lady who had students over to her house and allowed them to eat junk food and watch pornography and drink and smoke and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Why didn't we have a cool high school lunch lady? So I thought that she was taking this story and that story and twisting it. Nope. Oh. It actually happened. Oh, Hang yeah, on a second. Yeah. What kind of a teacher holds his own students in knife point to take him to Jack? I in mean, the box? dude, you know, we've all, again, one, one relatable. That's yeah, right? This, I understand that way more than I understand getting the late night cookies and ice cream. If I'm drinking, man, like, I, as someone who lived out on the West Coast, Jack, the old Jack box, that goes a long way, man. They I got a lot of things I in the old know Jack box. Because I'm fr- like my family's from California, so there is Jack in the Box over there. Yeah. But In and Out's a bigger. That's like, what I'm saying. Place, so if, I was like, maybe if they might I was kidnapping kids and forcing them to take me somewhere, it would be the In and Out. I, I would before do, it would be Jack in the Box. I would do Cookout. See, it's not on the West I Coast, dummy. Yeah. Love <laughs> Cookout. It should be. See, yeah, well, everybody likes Cookout, but it's not available on the West Coast. So good. Jack in the Box, I. All I think about when I think of Jack in the Box is back in the early to mid-90s when they had a big scandal because they were using a bunch of meat from cows that had mad cow disease. That was <laughs> is a that he- real? No, it's a real thing. You know, my family... And they somehow survived, but that's all I think about when I went... My family can't give blood because of mad cow disease. Because they ate too much Jack in like, the Box. Does that include you? Yes. Wait a second. Do you have mad cow disease? No, but my my sister was so born. Con- my sister was born in England, and my parents lived in England when the whole mad cow disease thing was going on. So when we came back to America, they pretty much told us we're not allowed to give blood. Well, that's weird. Because of mad cow disease. How about that? I did not we know, don't. Have I did not mad, know that story. We do not have mad I cow disease. I did not know that story. But we're not allowed to give blood. All right. That might be why your knee hurts randomly. Yeah, right? Maybe it's the mad, <laughs> mad cow, cow disease. Cow Maybe cow it's <laughs> kicking in right now. I saw a TikTok last night where a goat headbutted a cow and just put it on its ass. I would it's like tough. It. That's pretty tough. Like, yeah, you know like, what? I've slandered TikTok, but all of a sudden. This goat <laughs> just, like, the cow was mooing his head off at this goat. There was, like, a whole herd of, of cattle. And this cow, like, starts charging at the goat, and the goat lowers it. And it's a goat that's, like, a third the size of this cow. The goat lowers its head, headbutts the, the cow. The cow went down like a sack of potatoes. Hang on a and second. Just, Aww, I just I just no, found a YouTube like vi- there's a YouTube video called Thug Goat Headbutts Cow and <laughs> Thug Oh my god 
Is that this? the one? I don't want to see it. Is it this it. one? Yes. Oh, I'm all in. I don't want to see this it. This is incredible. This is an Oklahoma drill run, being run out in the middle of the pasture. All right. Just uh, go Is screen. the cow okay? Uh, I hope so. I'm going to feel really terrible if it's not. Hang on a second. Let's look at this. Oh! oh! They're both running at full yeah, speed. The, the, the goat got up. Uh, the the, the oh, cow right. did the not. The cow's still down. Oh, no. Now I feel terrible. Yeah. Oh, damn you it, should, Paul. Glenn. What is thanks, wrong with thanks you? For thanks a lot, you jerk. You guys Th giggle. Thug goat. Injurism. I do like thug goat. <laughs> That's a wonderful <laughs> YouTube. Like, you want me to watch your YouTube video. It's a good way to get me to do it is by calling it thug goat. I still get a big kick out of all the goat noises during random songs. The Taylor what? Swift one. The Taylor Swift. You've never heard of this? No, and I think I'm gonna pass. I don't it's, think that no, one's No, it's me. incredible. How have you not? I don't oh, know. We, we'll show you off I'm the air. I'm a thousand years old. He should know it for sure. That this was is from like, like ten, 10 years ago. He has no idea what the young youths are into. That was like the Vine days. I'm a fifty-year-old at yeah, heart. Yeah, he likes all what's the fifty-year-old actors. Which one's the song? It's like um, Trouble by Taylor oh, Swift. Oh, it is Trouble. Yeah. It's so funny. It's funny. It's like no. No. That, well, no, that's, no, it. that's, that's it. That's it. There's a goat noise. You know when she in goes, you know, like not in song. real life. Ah, yeah, 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 it's, it's a trouble, trouble. <laughs> it's so it's freaking funny, man. I love it. I'm concerned uh, for you too. I question this. I question whether or not Glenn this is and I are going to go watch the Chappelle show while you guys go to a Taylor yeah, Swift right, concert and, and listen to her during <laughs> goat noises. I would so go to a Taylor Swift. I concert. actually probably would. Taylor Although, Swift was my first concert ever. My dad took me. He went me by himself. My dad, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. My, <laughs> I went when sat I was ten years. The, no, my, sat in the back of the. My my dad. Took I love me. you, Taylor. Marry me. Yeah, I I went when I was ten years old. My dad took me and my brother, who was seven. That's cute. To, uh, but why? That's so cute. My dad. My dad was a big Swifty. Why? When, when she oh. was country. Yeah. Oh, she wasn't even. Country. I'm gonna be at the oh. Limp Biscuit concert with it. That's right. With Paul's the gonna sign, go to the sun says, "Marry me, Fred." I got yeah. it. You know, I don't. Did you already get your tickets? I have not. You know, I heard they're doing a uh, buy three get one free deal. So if you can find three other human beings that want I to go had, to a Limp Biscuit, I had four human beings that volunteered to go with me. If you count Josh, who already got his tickets. Oh. Three guys volunteered to go. Oh. My co-host Zach Goodman, a co-worker he, Chris, and my old friend Sam. I got to be honest with you. We might have to cancel the bat around. I'm sorry. I don't mean this to be the way that you find this out, but that's the type of news that makes me have to reconsider whether or not. He doesn't know any Limp Biscuit songs. He's like, why wouldn't I go to yeah. a concert? I can think of a few reasons. Like, like why, why wouldn't I sign up to get punched in the dick for three hours? Like, <laughs> I can think of a reason to not go. Imagine that being your, why wouldn't I do that? Hey, a bunch of guys getting together to go down by the creek and, and punch each other in the balls. Yeah, why wouldn't I do that? We don't kink shame. Like, that's fair. Whatever you want to do, that's what you're into. I could just. I feel like that's not a good reason to go to something. <laughs> I think I you should at least think through if there's a reason. I'm fine with saying why wouldn't I, but again, what's the flip side argument? Why would you? Mm -hmm. I feel like you need to be able to defend your thesis, and that's what I'm struggling with. Uh, support, camaraderie. Yeah, you guys. Brotherhood. Can, you guys can go to a bar. You guys can go to a we're baseball. Going, we're game. going to the baseball game together on Sunday. Those are all lovely things. Lovely things. Fifty-three to do. degree high. We're nice. in the upper deck in the shade. Nice. Nice round of frisbee golf or something. Anything along those lines. A fifty-three is the high on Sunday. Yeah. Ew. We're hosting the whole family for Easter. <sighs> we don't have that room in our house. We, we're counting on it being nice outside. Is the Easter bunny coming? Yeah, I don't. We don't. We don't. I don't think the kids are all, Easter. Of course, being the worst of all the holidays, like we gotta address that. Unless you're like a religious zealot, or you're, 
I don't know. It's the most important amongst the religious yeah. group. Well, that they can have. Is it more important than Christmas? Mm-hmm. Why is it yeah. more important? It's the day that Christ was risen. Yeah. When well, he the died other one was born. He has risen. You're 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 Jewish. <laughs> like what are we Even doing? Even I know that. There? I just it's as a holiday. It's oh my. Jesus is still a part of like Jewish like religion. He's just my not. my professor no. went on a tangent last night. He was like, oh, I was in church last week, and guess who killed Jesus? <laughs> and this is an or this is an. This is, is like an This is an organizational communication. Oh, yeah, why in course. the world? And he's like, guess who killed Jesus? Right. Was it A, the Jews, or B, the Romans? And then, why does he sound like Snuffleupagus? And then, <laughs> and then he and then he was just like, Yeah, you know, I found it wild. And my friend raises his hand and goes, Huh, Glenn, were you there? Question mark. Like very sarcastically. Very, did he say question mark? He, he did not. He said it to me. Extraordinarily oh. bad bit, man. That is a really bad bit. Yeah. My I point was... about these, if you're religious, you're religious. God bless, right? Like I, I'm not knocking anybody who's religious, right? But the actual activities on Easter stink. Has nothing to they do stink. with like the actual. Like, like they, it's just the worst way to what whatever it is that you're doing. It's a terrible day of activities. I look. I'm not no longer. There were years where I would still go to church with my family, like, and they would want to wake up at like six in the morning to go to church. I'm not kidding. I'd be like, "What?" And then it's like the longest church service of the year. Like, you go on any old Sunday, you might get out in 45 minutes. This one was like three hours long, man. <laughs> like, they were all in. They were pulling out because they knew it was the big one. It was the one everybody was coming to. So they had to get their money. They had to get the whole thing. I'm like, God. This is sucks. And you got to dress nice. Oh, f that. We have tradition. What what is family? We always go to church. Okay. And then sometimes we don't though. Actually, lately. I'm in on that. Now we're talking. We usually usually go to church. (laughs) Correct. Growing up, she did say that, didn't she? She said we always go to church, except we don't at all. (laughs) That is not what I said. I said (laughs) as of late because my sister's doing her the whole life, and like I'm at college, so it just makes it hard sometimes. Okay. But then we, my mom always makes us Easter baskets. Do you do you dress nice for church? Do you put on your Easter bonnet? Yes. And it's gown. A, it's a thing, man. Yes. You do an Easter dress. My, are, yes. I'm learning all, so much. All we're doing on yeah, right. <laughs> this is all we're doing on Sunday is going to brunch somewhere and then hosting the family. And my wife is gonna like expect me to put on a sweater vest. She's <laughs> gonna like whatever it is that I wear. She's gonna be like, I could be wearing this like a polo shirt and shorts. She'd be like, it's Easter. Put on a sweater. We always like, go on a hike. No, a little chamber well, bang. That's always. great. That sounds wonderful. And then we have a picnic with. Royal Farms. Of chicken. course you do. Of course you do. Yes. It's the best. It's the best. Jordan, you ain't having a picnic this weekend. Yeah, I am. Too, it's gonna be too cold. I'm yeah. not weird hiking and having a picnic. I respect. They're, they're not respect. weak. We're not weak. Yeah, they're not We're like you. Yeah, different. they're they're better. They're better than you, yeah. Paul. Most of um, the point <laughs> being, you gotta dress nice. You gotta like act like you're all stuffy. Like you have to be proper on Easter. The food is meh for the most part. It ain't like Thanksgiving. It's meh food. It's like ham. It's, you know, it's fine. It's nothing more than fine. Then you haven't been to the butler's household. Well, you know what? I would love an invite. <laughs> well, you're hosting, so. Yeah, I know. I'm out. I'm out. Like, yeah. my wife was like, we could grill on Sunday. I'm like, they're, they're, they're bringing, like, Easter dinner with them. Like we're not gonna mm-hmm. we're not gonna say hey throw out the the roast you made because we threw some burgers on the grill. She's like, well, we should at least like grill up some hot dogs for the kids. So I got to grill on top of everything else on Sunday. It's gonna suck. 
Easter stuff. I'm sorry. It's, and I don't like candy. So, like, the one thing that makes it redeemable is that, like, you have, like, a bag of uh, Starburst jelly beans sitting around for a week. I used to put down. I'm not even kidding. I used to put down an entire bag of Starburst jelly beans by myself mm. over the course so of Eastern Life. Starburst jelly beans are so good. I don't know why they make other products. They should have discontinued Starburst. Starburst are delicious. They're one of my favorite candies. Yeah. Discontinu- the Starburst jelly beans are so perfect. They should only make that because it's the best product that's ever existed. I loved, as a child, of course, I loved all of the various Easter candies. As an adult, I don't care for candy. It does nothing for me. Not interested. Don't want it. I will always prefer savory to sweet. It's going back to our uh, our cookie conversation. So what is does Easter does? Zippy for me. Zilch. Nothing. Sucks as a holiday, man. Now religious people are going to be mad at me. I'm sorry. You may have your day. If it's for you, it's for you. It's just not for me. I get a text from my dad. Paul, I'm never coming back on that show. Well, if he loves Easter, God bless. It's not for it's everything. Everybody's got their own thing. Everybody, you know, I'm not into My Little Pony, but there are thousands upon thousands of people that go to My Little Pony conventions every Bronies. year. Bronies. Yes. Everybody's got that. I go every year. You're a big My Do Little Pony? Do you want to come with? I, I'm not kidding about this. <laughs> if you really went to one of those things, I would go with you just to see what it looks like. No, it's really, but you have to dress the part. Don't know if I'm willing to do that. <laughs> no, you I got don't it. know if I'm willing to go that far. You got it. I have always, dude, I used to have to do my show downtown like every Friday in the summer. We did our show from Hooters and it would be like while the Brony Con was going on and like they would come into Hooters and I would just be like, I want to know everything there is to know. Good I crossover wanna, episode. Right? Like I really want to talk to these people. I can't. I want to know everything about what these people are into. I would go just to see it, but no, I don't think I would trust that part. Maybe that's why yeah, these guys want to go see Limp Bizkit with me. Because they want to yeah. They, they, they got to see, see what this is like. Who's yeah, still in the Limp Bizkit? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. My friend Josh. Uh, a young... Uh, Brian Powell says, a producer on another show struggled to explain Woodstock. Do your interns know what Woodstock is? Fair question. Sounds really familiar. It was a music God. festival right, in the 60s. Right. And all it, right. was, it was super hippie esque. Okay, it was like all right, all thou- right. I'll thousands take it. upon thousands of people in California. I'll t- no, not in California. Not in California. No, not in California. I had it. Was it. In I had it. Woodstock. In Woodstock, which is right. where that makes that. Yeah, I don't know. Is not it something that still happens? Not no. still, no. And okay, well then maybe it's a different one because there, my friend went to one. And there, well, there, was, there was one, one in '99. There was yeah, there was one 23 years ago. And there, was the last one. And it didn't go well. There are photos of people like just face down, passed out in the lawn the next morning. Not in the lawn, the, uh, wh- not the lawn, but where it yeah. was. Yeah, and like people would tent out. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. that's good enough. I'll take the it. mud, apparently, if you watch the documentary on HBO, which is quite good, um, mm. the mud was not mud. Just yeah, mm. yeah, it was poop. Uh, it was poop. They were not. Uh, they didn't have the facilities. They were not prepared. Dig a it, hole. Woodstock '99 was one of the greatest disasters in the history of of the music fire industry. festival. It what it, it <laughs> at least this one went off. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. Eh, but it would have been better if it didn't. It yeah. would have been better to have been fire festival. Um, Woodstock '69, of course, was the original Woodstock and was one of the greatest uh, achievements in music history. It was it's renowned and there's a legendary set from. Um, Jimi Hendrix, in particular, was sort of like a coming out party for him in '69 uh, at Woodstock. So, I, you know what? You did far better than I expected you to do, Jordan. So I'll give you credit for Limp that. Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock both performed at Woodstock '99. Yep, and you know what? With the, the Limp Biscuit in particular, the Poster Boys for Woodstock '99. If I associate yeah. anything with Woodstock '99, it's Limp Biscuit. Enjoy the show. 
Enjoy it. It's going to be a hell of a night. That sounds really familiar. I swear to God, my dad has said that name like what? so many times. Woodstock? Limp Biscuit? Limp Biscuit? Kid yeah. Rock? Is That's it because you're about my age. I've heard no, that. Like no, he's definitely not your age. He's older, but mm. you know. She's he's what, not 19, that. 20? He's not. She, I, what I'm, I'm saying is he's not in he's his. He's probably like 43. Mm-mm. No. He's like 50. Oh. But he might be yeah. a Limp Biscuit fan. I mean, like, if he is, I, I be, I'll be praying for him at, at my, the church service Maybe I'm I'll not going to on Sunday. I was about to lie his age. What'd you do it's for like 45. Yeah, right. What'd you do for Passover? So it's actually tonight. Oh, is it? It's, yeah. T- what tonight you, what is once there's two satyrs tonight. Okay. Tonight is going to be the first one. But what's the f- Just me. I'm talking about the food. What's oh, the food, the food situation food, So Passover? tonight is brisket. My See, mom's this is making, what I'm talking about. My mom's making bris- her brisket. Eh. But tomorrow night, she's making two full roasted chickens. Okay. With green bean casserole. Roasted red potatoes. Okay. And just like like pigs in blankets. Oh, I'm in. Like what time should like I be over? Good. Yeah. Come come at what time six I? o'clock. I, I actually finagled my way. One time we had an intern and he was talking about like his family's Hanukkah dinner. And I was like, that sounds great. I want to come. And he was like, so come over. And we actually went. I went for Hanukkah dinner. It the the food It was at the night it was whatever year Hanukkah started before Thanksgiving. Because I remember we went uh. the night before Thanksgiving uh. to have Hanukkah dinner, and it was wonderful. Yeah. It was we brisket. we don't because we don't do any like the religious stuff. We yeah. just eat. Ah, let's see. That's so the type of that's what we need to be doing for holidays, man. That's what we need. We, we just go for it. More food, less everything else. <laughs> More food, less just just food. Food. Yes. Let's just make holidays food and nothing more. Yeah. Maybe the summer holidays will keep the, the pool, will keep all those types of things. Yeah. But for winter holidays and those types of holidays, food. all food, nothing else. Get rid of all the other. I, I, I swear to God, my family will still think that I will go search for Easter eggs on Sunday. They will still go hide. They will come to my house, ask me to go into my house so that my aunt and my parents can go hide Easter eggs. There are so many kids in the family. They still do this. They made my cousin search for Easter eggs until he turned 50 years old. They sat, finally said, all right, you're, you're out. You, can, you don't have to do it anymore. It's so weird. That is weird. It's weird. That's weird. It's weird, man. Do you get a like, little, little basket? No, I don't even – well, I don't care. I, like, basically say to the kids, like, you need to go find – like, now you need to find mom and dad's Easter eggs because we ain't doing this. That's the way that it works. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the Baltimore police looking for the right folks to join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Son of a bitch, Vera broke back damn it damn it jordan what are you doing over there thanks for nothing you a-hole i was just reading an alert that asap rocky who cares cheated on pregnant rihanna oh, people care but but they denied it but okay. well, okay. so we'll yeah, see how this a, plays it's out it's you could have saved that for next week she right. clearly cares yeah, yeah. that would have been a good young youth <gasps> yeah would have been way better than idris elba and david Chappelle. Yeah. 
Selling weed. All right, what you got? All right, today is Jackie Robinson the, uh, Robinson Day, a day in which every MLB player wears number 42 to commemorate. <laughs> but the, the noise that Cass made in that moment, she was so much more <gasps> concerned about that than anything that has ever happened on this show. Right. My God. She was ready to fight. Like, she was ready to go. She's pregnant. I understand. How could you? That's and the worst. And she's Rihanna. And she looks, and she looks phenomenal. Even, yeah, but she it's not even that. It's just that she's pregnant. How do you cheat on a your literal baby mama? Yeah, right. Other, any other time, fine. You go cheat on anybody <laughs> you want. Cheating it's not on what That's what it sounds like you're saying, Cat. <laughs> no, it's just like, it's even dirtier. It's just even scummier. All right. All right, anyways. All right, so it's Jackie Robinson Day. It's a day in which every major league player wears number 42 to commemorate and honor the late, great Jackie Robinson for breaking the color barrier on April 15, 1947. In his career, Robinson was a Rookie of the Year, an MVP, and a seven-time All-Star who finished his career with 200 stolen bases while leading the league in that category twice and a lifetime 313 batting average, including five seasons batting over 320 between the Negro Leagues and the majors, winning a batting title in his 1949 MVP season. For a little perspective... Only three everyday players for the Orioles have even hit 300 in a season dating back to 2008. Nick Markakis, Aubrey Huff, and Hanser Alberto. Since coming to Baltimore in 1954, only seven Orioles have hit 320 or better in a single season. Name them. I'm only going to make a name. Say that one more time. So, and this one on baseball reference, it only goes to the top 50. So the the lowest average was 322. Okay. But since coming to Baltimore in 1954, only seven Orioles have hit 320 or better in a single season. I'm only going to make you name six because there's no way you're guessing Bob Neiman in 1956. Uh, You don't know. I I roll heavy with Bob Neiman, man. That's my – I've never heard of Bob Neiman. Exactly. So you got I'll only make you guess six. Um, so the the one year with Roberto Alomar. Alomar, sure. 1996, he had 328. I remember he was flirting with 400 like into July. Yeah. Or into June, maybe late June. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. It was insane. That was when I favorite. Oh, God. All right, anyway. Um, uh, uh, Frank Robinson. No. Really? He hit, The year you're thinking of, I think he hit like 310. 310. I would have bet that was 320. Cal never did it, right? No. 320? And again, I think he did hit 320. I think he did hit 320, right but, it, but it wasn't yeah. listed as... No, with the, with the Orioles, but it wasn't listed in the top 50. And there was no way for me to find out. So it's got it. So you had to have hit... So we'll say 322. We'll say 322. 322. <laughs> because I think Robinson in that stretch, his, lo- his lowest was 329. Okay. Um... All right. Well, that's surprise. I, I mean, sorry. I'm, I'm shook by the. I'm shook by the. Uh, the. All right. So how about? How about? Um, oh God. The funny thing is, I'm thinking of guys that that should have, and I'm like, I don't think they did. Yeah. Now, Eddie Murray. No. And actually, Frank Robinson hit 316 that year. 316. All right. How about? Man, I'm going to feel yeah. stupid. Ken Singleton. Ken Singleton, uh, 1977, hit 328. Well, that makes sense. Um, how about... How about... God, this is going to drive me nuts. How about... How about... I feel like there was a Tejada season where he Miguel oh. Tejada, two thousand six, hit three thirty. I forgot about that. I, I there was you know like you just forget because 
He was so good here. He really, yeah, he really was. was. So good. It's a shame the team sucked. Yeah. Although in 2004, that team had 281 as a team. They were they were really good. Oh. They just couldn't pitch. Man, I'm not sure. So how, I can give you a Al Bummer. Right. I can give you a hint. Two of these players uh-huh. played on the same. T- they played with Roberto Alomar, but not in 1996. But they all played together on the same team during that 96-97 run. So, Rafael Palmero. No. So, Eric Davis. Eric Davis in 1998 mm. hit 327. And there's one more. You have two more, but there's... There's one more from that. Eric Davis yeah. was an O, the Reds guy? Yeah, he played for the Orioles yeah. for two years. Oh. He had colon cancer. Oh, boy. Huh. Crap. Uh, Brady. No. Brady never hit 300. I think his Doesn't high was surprise 291. Me. How about... God. Who else from that team would have? B.J. Serhoff. But they didn't do it at that time. They played together on that team. So they I think played that's together... On, you're going to end up making me rethink this. Well, because it was... He said Ripken. He did? Yeah. I didn't yeah. hear you say Ripken. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't hear you okay. say oh, yeah. Ripken. Right. Ripken, yeah, he, he had 323 and yeah. 91. All right. My bad. I didn't hear you. No, he you're said good. Cal. MVP season. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I like if, it, there was no other Cal. That, like, <laughs> he wasn't I'm talking about former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Cal Eldred. I don't believe was the case. He may have said him while I was looking up. I was only listening for Glenn. You were talking about Robinson, yeah. And then the other one, there's one more, you say? He played with Tejada. Played with Tejada. Mora? Mm-hmm. Melvin Mora. Okay. Oh, he hit th- the all-time highest that. batting average. He hit 340 in 2004. Wow. I remember that at all. Wow. I remember it very well. He also hit 27 home runs that year. Melvin, he was good. I just don't remember. Melvin Mora was my favorite Oriole growing up. Every game I went to at a certain point, I think it was in that season, he homered. Every game. Hmm. Went to like nine games, he homered in all of them. Oh. You were the one guy that was there was, for that many me. games that season. I, I'm not, going to the, my third game of this you week. You have a problem. On yeah, I went, I've been. I've already been in two. So, yeah. all right, very good. Uh, Jordan Cast, plug your social. Oh, I got to do tubular. Damn it, I was ready to go. Tubular is brought to you. I was so ready to just be out of here. Tubular is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll be back on the 28th. Myself, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. Hanging out for the NFL Draft, getting you betting advice, great giveaways. Always the best place to be for all the NBA playoff action this weekend. 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Orioles-Yankees this weekend, 7 o'clock tonight on Masson, Jordan Montgomery, and Jordan Lyles. It's all, it's a, it's, everything's coming up Jordan. What are you doing there? Yeah. Are you going to the game? Yeah, sure. Let's well, you go. you got Passover. Let's you can't do go to the Seder game. at the He's game. Passover Seder at the yard. Tomorrow night at 7 on Masson, Jamison Tyon and Tyler Wells. Sunday on Masson, Nestor Cortez. Revenge game. Revenge game, Nestor Cortez and Bruce Zimmerman. And it's also on MLB Network and the rest of the country. (laughs) He he doesn't even have any idea. He has no idea. No No clue whatsoever. NBA playoffs tonight. The other two playing games, ESPN for a Hawks-Cavaliers at 7.30, Pelicans-Clippers at 10 on TNT. Then basketball all day the next two days. Tomorrow... Nuggets Warriors game one at eight thirty on, e- on ABC. Jazz Mavericks at one. Timberwolves Grizzlies at three thirty. Raptors Sixers at six. All of that on ESPN. On Sunday, it's the uh, the games are mostly on TNT. Whoever from the East against the Heat at one, then Bulls Bucks at six thirty, and whoever against the Suns at nine o'clock. ABC's got Nets Celtics at one or at three thirty on Sunday. 
And then college lacrosse for the weekend. Uh, tonight I'll have Stevens and Stevenson, which is always a mouthful. Stevens versus Stevenson. That's at 7 o'clock. Then tomorrow, Ohio State, Maryland at 4 on Big Ten Network. ESPNU, Penn State, Johns Hopkins at 6. CBS Sports Network, BU and Loyola at noon. ESPN Plus, Navy Lafayette at noon. America East TV, UMBC, UMass Lowell at noon. Flow Sports, Towson and Delaware at noon as well. Everything else, find at glennclarkradio.com. The USFL is back this weekend. Yay. Non-sports. <laughs> Um, Josh Brolin's on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert tonight. You've got Anatomy of a Scandal. It's a new Netflix series that sounds interesting by the name. Uh, tomorrow on Saturday Night Live, it's Lizzo pulling double duty. Weird. We- I like Lizzo, but I like her music. Yeah. Like I have no idea if she's a, a host of Saturday Night Live, but we'll, we'll, we'll find we'll out tomorrow. tomorrow. She's kind of funny. She's uh, fun. And like, she's got some show, right? The Big Girls or something like that. Lizzo's. There's some show. And so like I, whatever. I don't know. But I like her music, so you know, I'm all in on that. There's a cruise commercial that uses an old Lizzo song, and every time I hear it, I want to jump off. The song is so good. It's like, hands to the sky. I just want to jump off my couch Show and enjoy it. You know it. You know it. I only know it from a, the commercial. The commercial. It's a jam and a half. And I was like, I don't know this song. Where's it from? It's an old Lizzo song. It's from like yeah, our well, first mixtape. Yeah, we also like that like Fifth Harmony it's, song or whatever no, it is. No, oh, God. We are going to fight. We are going to fight. song is so bad. Bring the gloves. <sighs> Finish it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the only thing that matters on Sunday winning time the rise of Los Angeles it doesn't like matter everything else GlennClarkRadio.com plug your Twitters Twitter Schwartzberg JS and Instagram JSchwartzberg1 Twitter Cassidy Butler 5 and then Instagram Cassidy underscore Elizabeth 22 what's coming up on the bat around tomorrow uh, we're going to have Stan the Fan for his weekly segment and Pressbox's own Matt Kremnitzer is going to join us All right, to very talk about good. some Orioles stuff. And that's tomorrow morning. Every Saturday, Paul and Zach talking baseball 10 to noon on the bat around. Thanks today to Cole Strange. Thanks also to Josh Ross. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the archives. Whoa, tab at glennclarkradio.com. On Monday, the NFL Chicks, Rita Hubbard, is going to sit in with us and hang out as we get ready to announce or to launch the new show on 105.7 The Fan the following weekend. So Rita's going to hang out with us in studio on Monday. Of course, Jeremy will join us and stuff and things, as always. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great H Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow uh, Ryan Shell, and thanks to him. He's at Ryan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go all the local lacrosse teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>